I'm Tara. I'm Ryan. We love Disney movies. So we decided to watch them all, from Snow White to Frozen 2 and beyond. Each episode, we'll watch a different Walt Disney Animated Studios film and tell you all about it. Did we like it? Does it hold up? Who's our favorite hero? Or villain. We'll give you history and fun facts about each movie. And sometimes, we'll invite our friends to watch along with us. So put on your tiara. Or your evil crown. And join us on our adventure. This is Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Hello, listeners. We are back, and I am so excited not only for our guests, but for the movie we have today. And we have uh, my dear friend, Matt. Wait, we've started this whole thing wrong. What do you mean? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Are you sure you're going to pronounce those words right? Nope, so that's why I didn't go into it. Okay. (laughs) Um, So if you haven't guessed from that opening, we are talking about The Lion King today. And we have my dear friend, Matt, who has also become a great friend of Ryan's as well over time. So hello. Hello. How are you guys? We're good. How 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 are you doing? I'm doing well. Typically, we ask, like, why did you pick this movie? But it's become so long since we asked some people. Like, we asked people way back when we started, and they were like, ooh, I want to do these Disney Renaissance movies, and it's been a year. It's been a long time. Did yeah. we ask yeah. you if you wanted to do this one specifically, or did you pick this one? I, I honestly think that this was the perfect one for me, because it's my favorite Disney movie. So Well, there you go. So, yeah. so why so is it out. your favorite Disney movie? And do you have any, like, good memories of, like, the first time you saw it or anything like that? I think I was 11 years old when this came, maybe 10 or 11. Uh, I remember going to the movies with my mom to watch it. I remember getting this movie on VHS cassette, the the gigantic, big, plastic VHS cover that all Disney movies had. Yes, uh, the clamshells. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I also still to this day have a uh, a cassette of the Lion King soundtrack. It was a white cassette. A cassette. It is a cassette and it's on top of the refrigerator at my mom's house. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh my god, that's so great. I love I love memories of old things people have and like the memory of like I know exactly where it is right now. Mm-hmm. Because do you guys think we're gonna get to that point in our age? I think it has a little something to do more with our parents' generation uh in general like owning property and like living in the same house and stuff. But like, I feel like there's that's something that our generation doesn't do, and some of it may be like against that. But like, this is also me dealing with the fact that my mother is a potential hoarder. But She's like, a pack rat. But yeah, so is my but like, too. you know, like I feel like it's so weird that we know where stuff is, and it's just like, why wouldn't you just throw that away? <laughs> you never know when you might want to hear. But she doesn't have it in a place of honor. It's just <laughs> on the refrigerator. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Um, well, what are your memories, Ryan, with this one? You know, I think we should po- uh, potentially skip me. I mean, I, oh. I I think I have general good memories about, like, enjoying this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't really have a good memory like you do. Okay, I so... very distinctly remember. I, I am excited about your memory. Yes. So that's a memory, <laughs> like, seeing it later on. But yes. first seeing it... Um, as I've mentioned before, and former guest Jeremy, that would be who I saw this one with in the theater. We were obsessed. He had, uh, I won't go too much into merch because I've got so many notes on this movie. Uh, as Strap always. in, Matt. This is going to be a yeah, long Yeah, I've got a lot I'm of ready. notes. Uh, but Jeremy had the, I don't know if you guys remember Simba and Nala. They had magnetic noses and they would touch to kiss. They were like oh, a stuffed yeah. animal set. Yeah, yeah, so he yeah. had those and a, we had a bunch of other toys and stuff. But that was like one of the ones I remembered. But we saw it 
when we were young and I was like obsessed with it, obsessed with the music, like loved the story, loved everything about it. I was obsessed with Scar because I loved villains as a kid. Mm-hmm. I had the Scar stuffed animal, which is kind of weird because his whole face was plastic, but his body was plush. Yes, you've seen that and it's disturbing. Yeah, it's, it's very weird. But I, I don't like that. when they do that. I've seen those before and it's... Yeah. So I had that. Um, but no, my dad, so when I was living in Maryland, so it was after college, my dad and my brother came to visit and we wanted to go to the movies and my brother was, my brother and I are 12 years apart. So he was still, I can't remember how old he was then, but, um, we were, you were out of college, he was probably 11. So we were trying to figure out what movie to see and the Lion King was playing, uh, they were just like re-showing it at like the Rockville movie theater or something Mm -hmm. in Maryland. And so me and my dad doesn't usually go to the movies ever. He's not like a movie goer person. And so we went to go see it and both my brother and I looked over, um, spoiler alert listeners, when Mufasa's on the edge of the cliff and when Mufasa dies, my dad cried. He had like tears in his eyes. Do you think your dad saw Frank doing that to him? His brother? My uncle? I don't think so. (laughs) But this could be how I I go. I don't believe so. I think it was just a very emotional, touching moment. I will probably weep at it now watching it. As an older oh, adult, yeah. we've I established will weep that I've throughout my this. hormones as I almost reach forty this year <laughs> are just out of whack. So I'll probably be <laughs> the whole time. There's nothing wrong with that, Ryan. I'm just saying, absolutely not. No. Exactly. Uh, but this one is from 1994, and it's got a 94 percent or no 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's up there for it. Top three movies of that year. Number one is The Lion King globally. Got the most yes. money. Now, you said Forrest Gump made more lo- made more domestic. Yes. So it was the highest grossing film of 94 worldwide and the highest grossing animated film. But yes. in the U.S., Forrest Gump was first. But it said its initial worldwide gross was $763 yeah, million. That's kind of that's what I got here. Yeah. Uh, number number two global was Forrest Gump, and number three was True Lies. So oh, big deal for an R-rated wow. film, I think, to be honest. I love up. that movie, too. That movie's great. Great movie. Um, I watched that a little while ago. There's some stuff that doesn't quite hold up, um, but I think it's mm, still a lot of fun. Still pretty yeah, yeah, yeah. solid film. Uh, I found this. Jump! Dana, I will catch you, Dana! <laughs> Daddy's here. It's like Arnold's in the room. That's really good. Right? He's right here. Um, My BFF Arnold. Uh, So development for this film I found interesting. So it was, it came out in 94. It started in 1998, or excuse me, 1988. Uh, In 88, there was a meeting with Jeffrey Katzenberg, Roy Disney, and Peter Schneider, and they were promoting Oliver and Company at this time Mm -hmm. in Europe. And they started talking about this original story. And now it is c- kind of based on Hamlet, the story of Hamlet, but it is an original IP. Like there was a, the Lion King as a story didn't exist, but it borrowed from other folk tales, other stories. Hamlet also follows that they, a little bit of that story. They as did well. a lot of Old Testament stories, like the yeah. story of Joseph and Ben Hur and things like that, is one of the things they went to. Uh, but amongst the animators, it was apparently known as Bambi in Africa. Yes, I have that note Bambi too. in Africa with Hamlet, or Bamblet is what they apparently That's called great. it. Yeah, I had the Bambi in Africa quote. Um, the other thing I found interesting, so production began in 1991, and it was concurrently with Pocahontas. And so Ryan and I both came across this, where Pocahontas was considered to be the A-team of animators, and the B-team was on Lion King. They everybody did not was, think Lion King was going to do well. Yeah, everybody wanted thought wow. Pocahontas was the hot 
one to be on. Well, and the reason, so Katzenberg was really thinking, was pushing for Pocahontas because he felt Pocahontas would be a huge success because of the love story, because it was, he compared it to West Side Story or Romeo and Juliet. Which we're going to have a we'll, lot to say yeah, about Yeah, we're going to have a lot to say about Pocahontas, Pocahontas when we get there. But, However, we're not there yet. Yeah, so that's kind of <laughs> the thought process at the time. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, because Matt mentioned the VHS tape, it was the best-selling film on home video. It sold over 30 million copies on VHS. I also wanted to talk about um, the Academy Awards. I always like to cover this. So it won two Academy Awards for music. It won for the original score and for the original song, which was Can You Feel the Love Tonight? And that's Elton John and Tim Rice. What I found interesting, three songs for The Lion King were nominated out of the five songs. For, uh, the Academy Awards. So the other two for Lion King were Akuna Matata and Circle of Life. So Can You Feel the Love Tonight wow. won, but it was up against, yeah, it was up against itself, which I found very interesting. I have a potentially very dumb music question. Okay. So Elton John has the business partner. He has Bernie. Bernie. Yes. Bernie. Mm-hmm. What Does he have a last name? He does, but uh, I have Elton John's book here because I have Lion King facts in it, but I don't, I, off I, the top of my head, I don't know Bernie's I have a couple name. things about Elton John, so let's jump to those. So does does Elton John writes the music and his partner does the lyrics. So Tim yes. Rice came in and wrote the, the lyrics. Yes, and so they worked very similarly. So the story I read both in Elton John's biography called Me, which if you're a fan of Elton John, I highly recommend it. It's very good. Uh, but Elton John mentioned this and I read this in – I also have a book I should mention called The Art of the Lion King. So I went through that. Tara has currently has three books in her lap. Do you have? Oh, no, you just have Elton John. It's but the, I have two other books downstairs she, she, yeah, that so I Yeah, so she was like going from. over it like Hermione studying for owls or whatever. Basically, and, yes. That's what and, I was doing. <laughs> that was a Harry Potter um, but I got that one, actually. <laughs> thank you. All right. Uh, All right. Essentially, Tim Rice called – Tim Rice was asked to do it because he was brought in for Beauty and the Beast. And yes. so he was asked to do the music for Lion King and they asked who he'd like to work with. And he suggested Elton John. I think they had worked on something previously or they oh. had known each other previously. <laughs> I thought maybe he just shot for the moon. Or they're like, okay, who do you want? No, I like, think they – Elton John. I think they – I can't remember exactly, but I think they had some sort of a working relationship okay. in some way. But he called him up and Elton John – essentially said yes like on over the phone but tim rice works very similarly to how his writing partner bernie does they do Mm. do the lyrics first so typically tim rice would write the lyrics elton john would get them and then elton john would write the music and that's how he worked with his partner who most of elton john's music is him and bernie so tim rice had a uh quote well it's it's hearsay but it was a quote he attributed to Elton John because he was talking about they were talking about how like the animators came in the, and the directors were working and they goes what, what about something like this and he just like wrote can you feel the love tonight like right mm-hmm. there or I think the first one he did was um, Circle of Life because them writing that song had a lot to do with the themes of this movie of like taking over taking your father's place and your responsibility in that um, and that kind of solidified a lot of it but apparently he would just sit there and kind of like screw around on the piano and like you just watch circle of life happen and and tim rice was like oh yeah he does it in about 20 minutes he goes he told me once if he couldn't do if a song didn't start coming together in 20 minutes he threw it away he talks about can, that in his can book. you yeah. imagine just like oh i happened to be there for the 20 minutes that crocodile rock happened or like <laughs> benny and the jets and that like 20 minutes i 
Like, I, what do you do in 20 minutes? Like, there's nothing I've ever done in 20 minutes that has been worth anything. Yeah. Like, he's, he's, he's kind of overwhelming with his talent. But I, it's I, really, I, to me, it's really fascinating. Um, so I have a, a couple other things with Elton John that I found interesting. What attracted him to the project was the Disney tradition of great love songs. So he felt, he knew when he wrote, uh, you were talking about Can You Feel the Love Tonight?, he felt he could express two lions having feelings for one another better than dialogue could. And essentially, that's mm-hmm. how he wrote what he wrote. Well, that's the Howard Ashman theory of yes. when emotions get so hard, you, you in, in a musical, when emotions get so strong, you can no longer speak them. You have to sing them. You have them. to sing them. And oh. Ellen John, in his book, he said, you know, they were trying not to write Broadway style which is what Howard Ashman was known for in Little Mermaid and and other films before this. But they were more focusing to make them more pop songs. So they would have a broader audience. Mm -hmm. So you'd get children and adults and kind of everyone. And that's true. I mean, Can You Feel the Love Tonight went to the top of the charts. And I've got something kind of interesting about that. In the summer of 1994, Can You Feel the Love Tonight was number one on the charts. And it stopped the Rolling Stones song Voodoo Lounge off the number one spot. And apparently... Keith Richards is commented as like saying like he couldn't believe a silly lion cartoon uh, like beat him off the t- I I don't know the no, I, well, actual I, quote but I, that sounds like can you imagine like Keith Richards waking up from a heroin sleep to be like <laughs> what beat us like, yeah I, yeah what's happening that would totally blow his eye right there yeah just like, exactly. am I like am I still on drugs like what's happening yeah uh, you're telling me a lion beat us yeah. Ellen John also wrote that he thought the finished film was completely extraordinary and he usually doesn't like he a lot of times doesn't, you know, play his album for people before it's released and stuff like that. With The Lion King, he did private screenings for friends like he was so proud of it. He <laughs> was awesome. Yeah, he was so proud of it and proud of like how it came out as a whole, not just his music, but the complete finished Can you product. imagine there are people I'm sorry, I keep saying can you imagine, but can you imagine there are people walking around being like, what's your first memory of The Lion King? Oh, I saw a, pr- a, a, a early private screening, screening at Elton with John's Elton house. John. Like, yeah. that's, kinda, that's the coolest thing that could ever happen. <laughs> that's very true. Especially like now, you know, having seen Elton John and like a lot of interviews but like seeing him live you can just see him like he'd be sitting at the front like every time something happened you're like hey hey like he's so proud of his work yeah in, like he's, he's wonderful great. way just like look look how good it is yeah i could just imagine like do you, do you know the leo uh dicaprio meme where he points at the tv and he says oh look 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 yeah from, um, <laughs> uh one spot of time in hollywood yeah yes. i can just imagine yeah. elton john doing that what like. do you, <laughs> this is also a weird thing to think about but the spread at that had to be awesome Oh yeah, like, his friend, when you read, if you read his book, like the people he is very close friends with is interesting and vast. Like, oh no, I'm very... talking about the food spread. Oh, the food. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you meant the people who would be present, but yeah, I'm sure I, the food I, was very I good. I feel like an Elton John affair is probably exquisitely catered. Yes, yes. From top to bottom, it's yes. exquisitely anyway, done. Anyway, sorry. Um, uh, the other thing I wanted to say is the soundtrack sold 18 million copies. Whoa! So, and the thing that Elton John mentioned was he was excited because it was introducing his music to a whole new audience. So now yeah. children were into his music who probably weren't before. So that was another thing. Yeah. Disney. So Disney was overjoyed with the Lion King success that they came to Elton John with a deal. And this is directly out of his book. It was for, in his words, a ridiculous amount of money. They wanted him to develop more films, do more TV shows and books. And there was even talk of a theme park. 
which boggled Elton John's mind a little bit. But there was one problem. He had agreed to make another film with Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was chairman of Disney, but after Lion King came out, he was fired. And so Mm. it caused kind of this rift um, because he was supposed to do a movie and a project with Jeffrey. And because there was like this tension going on um, between the Hollywood studios because Jeffrey goes to DreamWorks, right? He forms DreamWorks. Forms DreamWorks. SKG is Spielberg, Katzenberg, and I think the G might be Geffen. Yes, it is. Yeah, Yeah, I've got it here. Sorry, I didn't see that there. Um, And so because it was, he said, it's so epic, you know, there are books written about it. So he's basically like, you know, this was such an intense moment in Mm -hmm. time for these two studios. So the Disney deal was exclusive, which meant he couldn't do anything involving Jeffrey Katzenberg. He couldn't, he couldn't oh, be working with Jeffrey wow. and working with Disney at the same time. I need to read. And There's a book because, called Disney War about this period. Yeah, I need and to he check says out. Jeffrey was suing them for breach of contract for 250 million, which he eventually got. So that's why <laughs> there was like this rift, and there wasn't anything in writing with Jeffrey, but Elton John had given him his word. And he was one of the people, Jeffrey was one of the people that brought Elton John into the Lion King. So he felt he had to regretfully turn Disney down. Mm. And so I don't know that he ever actually did the project with Jeffrey. He doesn't mention what the project is in the book. But, um, Shrek. Yeah. But I do find it, I do find it interesting that, you know, he was like, you know, I'm going to keep my word. He brought me into Lion King without him. I may not have had the opportunity to do Lion King. No, it was Shrek. And instead, they unfortunately went with their second choice, Smash Mouth. And <laughs> anyway. Is Sorry. that a true fact? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's just make that clear. Uh, um, we need while to, we're... We, we, you know, and we'll, Shrek will one day be a movie we cover oh, on this I'm podcast sure. yes. when we're done with Disney films. Yes. But Shrek is a middle finger to Eisner and Disney from... Oh, Like, from... Farquaad is supposed to be Michael In- Eisner. I mean, that makes sense. I can see that. Yes. And there, and the whole... the, the fair, That's why you go there and there's like a like small world joke. Like, it's mm-hmm. making fun of Disney World. Got like, it. it's all that. Oh, um, I had no idea about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there. I knew about, like, the tension between them, and I knew, like, Lion King was kind of the last thing, and then they fire him, and I knew that there was, like, not well, a it's, great... It's not a great moment in time for all of it's them. It's funny with the Katzenberg thing, because you, you can tell he definitely... Knowing all that and seeing the uh, making of is funny because remember and the sleeping beauty documentary waking sleeping beauty which is we've talked about it before it's a documentary on disney plus which talks about this era of films they also have that scene where he goes on stage with a lion a live lion to announce this to like a shareholders meeting yes and it's just the craziest thing ever but the making of i saw kept cutting to like it's it's like what what animators do is they pitch storyboards to the other animators and they cut to the other animators and it's all these animators sitting around Jeffrey Katzenberg like he's just their best friend in the yeah. pit and like they don't say that's Katzenberg but if you know who it is it's so obviously Katzenberg's like well I want to be in the shot so I'm gonna sit right here and we're gonna get the sweeping camera to come in mm-hmm. and all the animators around him are like oh, <laughs> like fake laughing because yeah. they're not necessarily great actors yeah anyway. This this whole era is odd. Yeah, well, and there's a lot of kind of uh, is rivalry. I don't know if that's the right word, but between him and Michael Eisner, yeah. there's a lot that's, of like butting heads. Good, yeah. Um, but while we're kind of talking about the music, I just wanted to give a couple facts about the Broadway show. And so, Matt, have you seen the Broadway production? 
I have not. Yeah, I was just curious because I know it came to Kennedy Center and we, we went saw it Kennedy, there, but I couldn't remember did. if you were still living out in that area when that happened. I don't know that he you was, were. He was still there. I, I think, think I was, yeah. What, just, what year did that Steph come Steph likes us better than him is what it uh, So I don't to. remember what year it came to the Kennedy Center. <laughs> Steph, when you uh, hear keep, this, please, yes. please, uh, confirm please, or deny. Yeah, please, yeah, please, please respond to that. that yes. um, our fan club president, Stephanie. Oh, can't say her last name. Stephanie. So the musical came out in 97, but it went on, it continues to go on tour. So it was doing like one of the tours and it came through Washington, D.C. So I don't remember what year hmm. we were living out there when it happened and we saw it, but we saw it at Kennedy Center and it was fantastic. But it's still running on Broadway right now. Granted, everything's paused because of COVID, but it's still currently running on Broadway. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Tim Rice and Elton John were asked back to do the music for additional songs for the show. It was nominated for 11 Tonys, and it won six Tony Awards when it came out. Yeah, and it's running. It's had over 9,000 performances just on Broadway. It has a whole... On Broadway? Yeah, it has... A whole North American tour. So it tours everywhere, just not here in the United States. Like it has other tours. I want to say in London that there might be a theater that it's been at for a while. I I don't know the London facts quite as well. Um, It's grossed more than a billion dollars. Which is wild, and it is currently the that was that was not me not ignoring the fact that was me shocked into speechlessness. <laughs> yes. Wow, yes. a billion dollars for a play! Like I, my eyebrows yeah. went over my head. And it is currently the third longest running show in Broadway history. Wow. The top two currently are Phantom of the Opera is number one, and Chicago the Revival. So the Chicago that mm. came out in 1996. Um, I was so, really yeah, hoping so, for Book of Mormon. I know. Yeah. <laughs> So I just found that really fascinating. We kind of go more into Broadway in our Beauty and the Beast episode as well. So I just wanted to highlight that because it definitely broke a lot of records. Uh, so I found that really interesting. I've got a couple things about the score. Okay. Uh, the score is done by Hans Zimmer. I think this mm-hmm. is his first uh, Disney film. Yes. Uh, Hans Zimmer, if you look him up, he's done 8 million things. The first thing that pops off my head is he did the Pirates of the Caribbean uh, movie soundtrack. But he's done every soundtrack. I think he did like the Inception, like Bwah! like he's mm. uh, responsible for that. Um, but there was also the use of a lot of African choirs in there. And like a overconfident white man, I wrote down this person's name and going, I know how to say this and listen to it. And now I'm looking at it and I can't. L-E-B-O Lebo Mathosa? I will put it up there. They were the person in charge of. Um... At least you own to it. Oh yeah, I, yeah when definitely. I literally when I listened to the thing, which was less than an hour ago, I was like, I got this. I don't need it because I wrote down other pronunciations of things. Yeah. But no. Okay. So, but he he did the um, the African choir, which is you know mm. prominent throughout this whole thing. Yeah. And, and, and a huge contributor to the the theme and the mood and like it was interesting in the in the documentary they started playing a lot of their singing in the background and the chants. And the, um, you know, just the, the, the kind of ambience they added to it, I think, really, really helps. And I think that potentially segues well into your explanation of the Swahili lyrics for oh, I uh, do have them. Uh, Let me... Circle of Life, which yeah, so to me are hilarious. I have the English translation from online. So listeners, if, you know, it's not exact, you can let us know. Uh, but I'm only going to pronounce the English. There was a time where I actually 
sang the circle of life and probably did pronounce all the words right but i don't trust myself now to do that listen so if no matter your race color or creed if you want to fake sing the lyrics to the opening of circle of life in your car by yourself i will never ever judge you (laughs) doing them on a podcast seems a little insensitive so we won't but by yourself in the shower go for it man it's it's a great feeling it really is uh so it translates to here comes a lion father oh yes it's a lion here comes a lion father oh yes it's a lion uh listeners here comes a lion yes it's a lion here comes a lion yes it's a lion and then isn't it better in Swahili? <laughs> so much better. And then it's a lion we're going to conquer. A lion we're going to conquer. A lion, a lion, and a leopard come to this open place. A leopard? I don't. That's what they have. There's no leopard. Uh, yeah, in this I don't movie. remember a leopard in there. Uh, maybe who comes to like see Simba? There's probably let's, a leopard in that in that crowd. Fairy tale friends, let's keep our eyes open for a leopard in this. <laughs> in this might watch. have been an extra or something. Might yes. have been. Might have been. Uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the art book that I referenced earlier. The foreword has been done by James Errol Jones, who is the voice of Mufasa. Ugh. And so I wanted to um, read a quote that he said, and then some other things that he mentioned. But this is a direct quote from the book. He said. Creating the voice of an animated character is a challenge akin to that facing actors in the ancient Greek theater who wore masks and used their voices to evoke the emotional energy of personalities played. He does that in the making of it. It's like performance like Jonathan Taylor Thomas and he's like, "Ah, I like playing Simba because he's a fun kid. And it's like someone else and they're like, oh, this is great. I'm enjoying this. And then freaking James Earl Jones comes out and is like, the Greek theater was once, you know, yes. and like has this like really in-depth examination of the art of animation and just like blows everybody else away with his takeaway. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is just like, I got paid and I get to be a meerkat. Ooh, you know? Yeah. He was just really fascinated about the process and about how everything worked. And so it was interesting to read about that. Um, he also, Mufasa and I, I don't remember Sarabi is Mufasa's wife. I don't remember the actress who does her voice. If you want to look it up, Ryan. Sure. But she and James Earl Jones played an African king and queen also in Coming to America. She's the queen from Coming to America? That's what I read, yeah. Did not know so that. So they were also a king and queen in this, which I thought was kind of fun. That's he awesome. also plays Mufasa in... Like, he's the only person who wasn't recast in the most recent Lion King. Oh, interesting. So keeping his voice. Yeah, he's got such a distinct voice. Madge Sinclair is the actress who played Sarabi. Yes, So, and I believe she was, you can look it up, but I yep, believe... Coming to America. Coming to America, yeah. I thought I read that somewhere. Wow. The other thing about the art book that I found interesting is they had a flowchart, and I'll post this on our Facebook page when the episode comes out, of the musical number for Be Prepared. And so it's a rough sketch of kind of the layout of Be Prepared, and there are all these tiny numbers of when each thing happens. And I just found that really interesting that they thought all of that out. So when they were doing, you know, the animation and the story, they wanted to make sure that there was continued, um, how do you say that word? Continuity. 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 My God. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. (laughs) Here for the rescue. I was like, my brain's not processing that word. Uh, You did nail it. Thank you. Uh, There's nothing worse than saying a word that's a common word that that you you just don't see that often. And you're like, what is the word I'm looking at? I always, always, when I was in high school, I told someone I didn't appreciate, 
I, I don't want them to rid- ridic- ridicule me. Mm. And they went, excuse me? And I was like... <laughs> it just made it worse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then I think, Ryan, you have some facts about this, and I want to make sure we talk about it. Mm-hmm. And this was in the art book as well. In 1991, a group of artists, one of the directors as well, traveled to East Africa with sketchbooks. And I read that they traveled by Land Rovers and slept in tents. So they had guides, but they went to a lot of remote areas to get a feeling of the terrain as well as seeing the animals in their natural habitat. And that's, I think, what makes a lot of this feel so real is because of this trip and kind of what they did. And one of their guides sang... um, Asante sana squash banana, the whole thing that Rafiki does. No kidding. Apparently, <laughs> one of the animators wrote it down because a guide was singing it, and there's more to it than that bit. But um, they put that in the movie, so I found uh, that interesting as well. Uh, that's all the information I had as well. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. In fact, I had less information. I still, than that. I no, still it's fine. It's fine. They said that while they were in Africa, it really helped them visualize not only the enchanted, but also focus on the realistic parts of Africa, which I think you can really see in the finished product. They talk about the uh, backgrounds in a lot of these are supposed to be like exaggerated naturalism. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, kind of we talk a little bit about how the there was the certain the quality of, of Bambi. I forgot what it was called, but it was it was very almost impressionistic. Um, and they have different, the backgrounds is kind of where you get to have a different look in Disney movies. Mm-hmm. And I think that was this one. This was a, the colors were exaggerated, but it was supposed to kind of feel a little bit like watching a nature documentary. Yeah. And they actually had someone, uh, James Fowler, uh, I believe was a, a person who brought animal, Jim Fowler brought animals into the studios. Yes. Um, so there were lions in the studio yes. that the animators were referencing. And, and of course there's video of Katzenberg, like carrying a cub or like, whatever. Yeah. 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 Uh, They said, too, that some of the problems with the early drafts of Lion King lacked the clear theme. So we talk about Beauty and the Beast. It's not don't judge a book by its cover when you think of Beast and Gaston Um, and Aladdin. You know, it's kind of that rags to riches kind of a thing. And there's a couple other themes with Aladdin. And now I'm drawing a blank on what those themes are. Well, that was like three weeks ago. How would we so ever that's fine. be expected uh, to remember But this that? theme, they start focusing on <laughs> responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so once they were able to kind of hone in on that theme and what it means to, you know, take responsibility, even when you're not ready for it, thinking about his father dying and things like that, it, it kind of, they kind of got a stronger footing, if that makes sense. I have a few things about the Hamlet of it all, how okay. this was supposed to be like a lot of Hamlet, and that wasn't an original intention. Um, when they wrote it, it was something that kind of developed during the writing process, because that's essentially how these movies get made, is it's not just we write a film. we You know, it's not like other films. Yeah. We write it, we shoot it, we whatever. Um, but somebody, originally Scar was supposed to be just a rogue lion. Mm-hmm. And then someone suggested, well, why don't we make him the king's brother? And that's when someone went... Hamlet. Mm. And that's when kind of the Hamlet part of it started kicking in. The influence of it, yeah. And at one point, they had actual lines from Hamlet in the movie. Like, when Scar kills Mufasa, again, spoiler alert. I'm sorry, get your kids out of the room. Um, (laughs) He was originally said, goodnight, sweet prince. Oh. Which is, you know, a great line in Hamlet, but doesn't really work well here as long as, what did he say, long live the king? I think so. Yeah. Long live the king. So good. Anyway. Um, but yeah, just I thought that was interesting. No, that is really interesting. Uh, also, talking about Lion King and the animators, uh, talking about some challenges with animating these characters, 
they said that this was a movie where there were really no props with the characters. So a lot of times when you have props with a character, you can give interest or it shows their behavior. And the only character who has a prop is Rafiki has a walking stick. Mm. And so that attributes to his character. So they give the example of Jiminy Cricket and the umbrella. Like that's his prop is his umbrella. And they said, you know, a lion portrayed with any degree of naturalism can then not be asked to wear a hat or like mop <laughs> his brow, right? Like, cause it takes away from it. Right. Like if he had a handkerchief or whatever, or wearing a vest or whatever. Um, <laughs> so they talk about like the related problems of needing to anthro anthropomorphize thank you i knew that one wasn't going to roll off the tongue they needed to (laughs) anthropomorphize uh the animals without appearing to do so so that was something that they kind of struggled with and i think eventually they succeeded to Mm -hmm. a high level with that well it's interesting because i feel like timon's the most like does stuff with his hands because meerkats in general are up on their hind legs yeah And they say, you know, we believe they're real animals because of the realistic setting. And so the example they give is, I think, in the beginning with Nala when she's with the the lion pack of the lionesses. And they're, like, cleaning her. Like, mom, I think her mom's, like, licking her or whatever to get her clean. Like, there's moments of stuff like that where that was what would happen. And then you have other moments where they feel more anthropomorphized. Nailed it. Yes. Um, Have you ever seen that... (laughs) Have you ever seen that meme where it's like the the shot is Nala getting cleaned and then she gets up and it's close up on her and she walks, tries to walk away and the mom comes and just picks her up and then the next shot is she's back in her lap and they point out that if the mom had actually done that, her neck would have to be like six feet long. Oh no. And then they point that out. Like it's, I'll have to put that meme up because it's, it's horrifying. Like it's, yeah. just, it's just funny the way animation works. You can just do that. It's no big deal. But I just always think that's funny of like, this is how long her neck would have to be in order for that to actually work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I also wanted to focus for a moment. We've talked about the cap system a little bit, uh, which is what becomes Pix- it is Pixar mm-hmm. uh, and the computer animation, and they first used it in Rescuers Down Under, and so we talked about it in that episode. Yes. Uh, but they used it in this film as well, and they talk about the stampede scene. Yes. And so Mufasa, Simba, and the hyenas are still drawn by hand, but the wild beasts were animated. Wildebeests. Wildebeests, excuse me. Well, I mean, they're wild beasts. You're yes, right. they're, yeah. yeah. They were animated using computers because they wanted the stampede featuring hundreds of panicked animals, each a separate entity, but all acting on one single impulse. And so they said, you know, think of like a river in flood. Like that's what they were trying to get across with that. It wasn't just caps because caps is like, you know, projecting digital images onto onto written things and and, and all that. But they created a simulation system of what of like. What it would look like, basically a follow the leader simulation. There's shots yeah. of it on the documentary of like they take two packs and have them like run through each other. Which, looking at what they did, like and how well it looks on screen, is very impressive for 1995. Like, and Four. a lot more. Ninety four. Well, it's also impressive for 1995. <laughs> yes. Um, which has nothing to do with when this movie came out, but it's also impressive for 1995. Um, but like, you know, like th- that amount of simulation. Like, I guess within, you know. A few years from that, they're doing the big simulated battles in Lord of the Rings, which I think is the big uh, example I think of of like simula- you know, extra simulation. Yeah. Or oh, they're also doing it in '97 for um, 
Titanic in live action. I don't know. I just wish I just the timeline was interesting to me. I always thought mm-hmm. I always think of I think uh Lion King fe- seems much further back than like Titanic does to me for yeah, some well, reason. Yeah, Titanic was 96. Seven. So that's only like yeah. 3 years later. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like knowing that those that scene is is computer animation just pretty dang impressive yeah well and they said you know to draw that all by hand it would be kind of a practical oh, impossibility what, well you see them what they would do is they would just draw a big cloud with a few yes. like yeah you know new gnus in front of them the gnu oh uh they Gnus-y's, also whatever they also said that that <laughs> took about <laughs> that took about three years to do that mm-hmm. to do the stampede scene so i just I think. Wow, was it really be, that long? Yeah, so it'll be interesting to watch it, like thinking about that. You know, like it, it's such an emotional scene, but then also thinking about how much of a labor of love it also was for the animators and how long it took to do that whole sequence. I found really interesting. So the other things that I have, um, I wanted to dive into Scar for a moment because I also have a villains book. I have a Disney villains uh. book, and so uh, I pulled a couple things from that, and I wanted to read a quote. From Scar because it kind of talks it it connects with this quote but his this quote which is in the movie is as far as brains go I got the lion share but when it comes to brute strength I'm afraid I'm at the shallow end of the gene pool and so the animator for him was Andrea Deja Andreas Deja and- Andreas Deja you, I feel you like wanna, you keep wanting to and I was the same way too Latinize his name He's, I believe, Polish German, yes. so it's just Andreas Deja. It's Deja. not Andrea. J- <laughs> yes, we keep, we, yeah, we keep wanting to add an accent yeah, yeah. in there that's not there. Yes. Like, um, but he was the lead animator for a lot of the villains at this time. Gaston, Jafar. Jafar uh, I think those are the other villains he's done at that point. Yeah. So he has to figure out how to animate a lion that's weaker and smaller than even the female lions, but still had a powerful presence. And so that's why I wanted to use that quote, because that was kind of his struggle animating Scar. And I never thought about he was weaker than the females, but he is. But it's just interesting because I never looked at it from that perspective Mm -hmm. that, you know, his strength comes in how he can manipulate people and how smart he is and like playing that chess game. And and kind of like being three moves ahead of everybody. Yeah, and I I think they they picked the the perfect voice actor in Jeremy Irons to to voice Scar. He had, I agree. It's a fantastic. Voice. He had a lo- like he was so complimentary of Andreas Deja, in and, and the way he did it was was a way that I didn't really think of before because he goes he did such a perfect job of picking up everything I was putting into my voice. Like he was like the wickedness, the humor. He's like, it was all there on the screen. And he, and he was talking about how like that was, you know, um, what's the word? intimidating for an actor to like, I'm putting in this performance, but someone else is going to be puppeting yeah. it at the end. Well, he goes, he nailed it. And Deja says that he was inspired so much by his voice. So they were very complimentary of one another. He says how inspired he was and that a lot he really connected with what Scar needed to be after hearing the vocals. Also, he really wanted to avoid being influenced by the Jungle Book because mm. he was thinking of smooth, refined Shere Khan, and he didn't want to be influenced by Shere Khan when he was animating yeah. and coming up with what Scar would look like. And Shere Khan is like kind of beefier too. Like yes, he looks physically very muscular. Yeah. Ah, uh, so now I just have a few trivia facts. Oh, okay. I know. I told you I have a lot. <laughs> do, you guys, do you guys not find this interesting? I'll stop with you. No, no, no. I, no, I love this. It's just like, this is okay. great. 
So, uh, it's like hanging out with IMDb. Like. <laughs> well, but it did not come from IMDb. Just, it came from lots of sources. Uh, but this quote from uh, Timon was improvised. What do you want me to do? Dress and drag and do the hula. So Nathan Lane improvised that. Of course he so did. So I found that funny. <laughs> uh, and um, the other thing was that I had about them. Where is it? Nathan Lane and Ernie. Is it Sabella? I think so. They, they're the voices of Timon and Pumbaa. They were originally cast as Banzai and Shenzi, oh, uh, yeah. the, which is Whoopi Goldberg and Cheech Martin's mm-hmm. hyenas. And the crew loved their performance so much, they thought they'd be even better as Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah. So that's how they got those roles. So I thought that was kind of fun. Um, the other thing, going back to Scar, talking about his animation, uh, is unlike all the other lions, his claws are always out. So just something to look oh. out for. That that's like a choice that they made that I found interesting. Um, during the scene where Nala pins down Simba, Jonathan Taylor Thomas was hit on the back, so it sounded like he had the wind knocked out of him when oh. he started talking. So it was like, can they do <laughs> whose that job to a was child? that? Yeah, child actor. Poor was JTT. My it must yeah, be, I the know. The statute of limitations must be over <laughs> on that fact. Um, and another fact about JTT, which I found fun. Apparently, there's an episode of Home Improvement. It's a Halloween episode where kids come to the door dressed up for trick or treating, and someone comes as Buzz Lightyear which is Tim Allen, <laughs> and somebody comes as Simba, and JTT gives Simba more candy than Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> so I've not, I, I've not seen that episode recently, but that was a fact I read. So I, really I have hope to that find that, that now. Yes. Okay, I have a question uh, primarily for Tara. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we had another, um, you know, someone who was interested in, 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 in men at a young age here, uh, unless Matt has something he wants to reveal on the podcast. Oh, no, I'm good. Okay, cool. Okay, so <laughs> did you have any JTT, like, locker posters? No, or... I didn't crush. I, I don't think this is something that he would be embarrassed about. I think he'd own up to it. I did not have nearly as strong of a crush on JTT as Jeremy did. I was going to say Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy yeah. had a strong crush on JTT. I think JTT. he's talked about it. We'll ask um, if he does, if we don't mind calling him out. Uh, but no, I mean, I think, I thought he was cute, but I wasn't, I didn't get like the craze. I wasn't as crazed as like a lot of other people were for him. But. Uh, well, there goes that whole but I did, segment of the podcast. Although I, I will gonna... say, I will say I did go <laughs> see everything he was in. What was that movie he was in with Chevy Chase? We saw that in the theater. Man of the House. I have never seen a JTT <laughs> oh, wow. movie. Yeah, so I did go see all like the things he came yeah. out with. So, and I watched Home Improvement. No, I weekly. was a I was a Tim Allen stan and went to go see Tim Allen stuff, and then he disappointed me greatly in the last. Decade, well, so. yes, yeah, th- things he's we've learned a lot <laughs> yes. about him. Yeah, lately, but uh, the only I only have one or two more things. Uh, I know you're surprised. Uh, there's okay. Say it again without that because, it, like, the more you say it, the, the listeners are gonna go. She is right. This is a lot of stuff. Oh, so should I just say? Yeah. Only just, have... say I have, just say uh, I got a few more things, and okay. then go in because right, right, right. if the listeners hear like, oh, like they're gonna be like, well, they don't want to listen to this podcast. Why would I want to listen to this podcast? <laughs> Click. All right, all right. I only have a few more things. Okay. So that still sounds like you're apologizing. Oh, my next fact is about hidden Mickeys. <laughs> uh, I've got a few hidden Mickey facts here for you. One of them apparently, and this one sounds comical to me, so I want us to be looking out for it. Apparently one of the bugs that Timon pulls out in like that log during Akuna Matata is wearing mouse ears. No. That's what I read. So we have to look out for okay. it. Like that one I'm almost okay if we pause it to see if we can see okay. it. Because that sounds we'll like silly. 
And then when Mufasa is talking about the great kings of the past and you're looking up at the sky and the constellations, supposedly you can see Mickey in the stars, but then I also read that you can see Leo, the lion constellation, Mm -hmm. in the stars as well. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, so I'm not sure if they both appear. Um, So sometimes those hidden Mickeys are like very clear to see and sometimes they're not. Uh, I also had, and I believe these translations are correct, but... The character names are based on Swahili words. Yes, Simba and is Swahili for lion. For lion. Nala, I read was gift, but then I also read that Zwadi, Z-A-W-A-D-I, is Swahili for gift as well. So I don't know if there's several words that translate that way, but mm-hmm. I read that about Nala. Sarabi, the mom, is mirage. Rafiki means friend. Pumbaa is simpleton or weak-minded. Jeez. Yeah, and Shenzi is barbarous or uncivilized. Mm. The last two things I have is it was the first Disney cartoon to be dubbed into Zulu for the African release. So Mm. I thought that was really cool. And then Rafiki, we talk about this later with um, representation. So I just wanted to mention this fact here. Rafiki's the only character to not have an American or English accent and has an accent native to the film's setting in Africa, though he's voiced by an American actor. Yes, Robert Guillaume. Who that person I wrote down how to pronounce his name, so I got that correct. Um, there you go. But that is everything from me. All right, <laughs> strap in, motherfucker. I'm about to oh blow my your gosh. mind. Are you gonna quack? Are you that putting out? that in the podcast? <laughs> Donald Duck better quack that. All right. R- listeners, because Ryan has been so excited to tell me this. <laughs> so excited, in fact, that I have created a uh, PowerPoint. Because did oh, you guys know there is a controversy where it is believed that this movie is plagiar is plagiarized off a 1960 anime cartoon known as uh, I believe it's called in, in there it's called uh, Jungle Emperor Leo or Kimba the White Lion. No, what? let me read you a little bit about it. <clears throat> So much so, in fact, that there is entire uh, Wikipedia section. I was going to say the dark web or Wikipedia. You the dark Wikipedia. web. There's some dark web stuff in here. Don't worry. I've been doing my searches on the dark web. Don't don't you worry about the dark web. <laughs> uh, don't don't read that because I'm just going to read it out loud. But I'm reading this for for our listeners. Certain elements of the film were thought to bear a resemblance to Os- Osamu Tezuka's 1960s Japanese anime television series Jungle Emperor, known as Kimba the White Lion in the United States with some similarities between a number of characters and various individual scenes. Oh, no. The 1994 release of The Lion King drew a protest in Japan where Kimba and its creator, Asamu Tezuka, uh, are cultural icons. 488 Japanese cartoonists and animators, led by manga author um, Machiko Satonaka, signed a a petition accusing Disney of plagiarizing and demanding that they give due credit to Tezuka. Matthew Broderick actually believed initially that he was in, in fact, working on the American version of Kimba since he was familiar with the Japanese wow, original. Wow, because he does the voice of Simba as an adult, As an right? adult. So yeah. he thought he was, that's what Disney was doing. Oh my goodness. The Lion King director, Roger Allers, claimed complete unfamiliarity with the show until the movie was almost complete and did not remember it being ever mentioned during development. Allers was working in, in Tokyo in the 80s, and in 1989, they did a remake of Kimba on primetime television in Tokyo. So some people have said that's where he saw it, but he went back and, and they did the timeline, and he actually left Tokyo in 1985. 
So these are the kind of people, this is the dark web stuff, where people are like diving in and trying to figure out, you know, who so who knew Disney, what and when did they know it? Did Disney pay them? No. As far as I can tell, Disney has denied it. There's been a lot of conversations about, you know, it's, it's in Africa. We're going to have a lot of these same animals. Um, you know, Simba is Swahili for lion. lion so naturally it's going to rhyme with Kimba. Uh, those sorts of things. So that's um, the way that they're defending. Yes, that's the way they're defending. So what I've done, and I will go ahead and share my screen with you, Matt, um, <laughs> is I have done. I have looked up some, you know, like I said, reached deep into the dark web. Okay. Um, and I have uh, looked up some of these pictures. So let's look together. Can you All see right. the screen? I can. So here we go. First oh off, here. Oh wow! Now, this Are is, you going to share all this on the? Yeah, Facebook I will. Page? Now this is okay. a later. So it came. So obviously, look when, at that Zazoo. Well, hold up. That's not. So that's from 1997. So they this poster is okay. So of obviously Kimba. they're kind of. Kimba is going. Well, let's jump off the success of okay. the Lion King. But that's this thing. So we're going to look a little bit at the at the at the characters. Um, this is, of course, on the left is Kimba the White oh Lion and Simba. Not you know, not their too eyes. similar. Their yeah, eyes are well, a little you know, similar. that's how cartoon stuff works. But let's look well, at the whole family. One, one had bangs and the other had kind of bedhead. So yeah, there you go. So, yeah. so that's that's the most important <laughs> things is the bangs versus the uh, yeah the. The swept. This is the uh, Kimba. Of course, had a, a friend. Um, I can't remember her name. It was, it was. It was not very close to Nala. But like, that's the situation there. Is you've got you know again a a male lion and his father, and then a, a his friend is is a is a female lion. <laughs> Here's some pictures from Kimba versus oh uh, wow uh, uh, this where they had a similar pride think- rock structure. Um, here is uh, wow. Scar and the bad guy from uh, Simba the White Lion, Claw. Listeners, um, if they are close resemblances. Now, I will point out that one of the things I think, which has to do a lot with the uh, queer coding of Scar to make him a much more interesting character, and the way, you know, kind of the mark that I think Andreas Deja puts on his villains. Um, the, the claw is much more typical. Like I'm a big beefy guy, but he is of course a darker lion with, with a, a dark mane. Yeah. Scarf. Here is uh Danny, the uh, wise teacher figure from Kimba, a, a, a mandrill. And then also a mandrill, uh, Rafiki. How can, how can Disney confidently deny that they weren't wow. influenced at all by this film? Well, like again, Listeners, you will have to see these pictures on the Facebook page. And then potentially kind of my wild. favorite named character, um, you know, all the names are very similar. They're very similar, uh, traditionally, uh, African sounding names, you know, like, like Danny and, and Rafiki. And here, of course we have, uh, very, again, similarly named characters, Zazu and Polly Crackers, uh, <laughs> who is the uh, parrot character from uh, Kimba the, the White Lion. Now, this these similarities were so close that, uh, oh, in fact, let me just show you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mute this so I can kind of talk over it, but we'll watch some of this. Um, here is some, you know, just some shots uh, from both of them. Let me skip forward because it mostly just... That's the scar is crazy to me. Wow. Oh my gosh. There's no way that it wasn't influenced by that. Yeah, there's, this is There's no way. <laughs> you have like This is almost shot for shot like. <laughs> you have like broken my brain with this. Now, there are things to say like this is a long running show. Uh yeah, the similarities in color seems like an issue. Um and and it's and it's too it's it's similar like 
you write stories in Africa, yes, you're going to have very similar characters and, and, and yeah, themes and stuff. Wicked, like... There are some stuff that is definitely close, but there is also stuff that I think Kimba had a much longer run because it was a TV show. So, so yeah, so there was more, but... Oh, there were only two hyena. Uh, there were two hy- main hyenas as opposed to three in Kimba uh, versus uh, the Lion King. Um, so yeah, this was my what I like to call oh. Ryan's deep dive onto the dark web to oh ruin God. your. Uh, you ruined it for me. I'm so sorry. No, you wow. didn't ruin it. I just I think it's shocking that Disney can say confidently they weren't influenced by that at right. all. Yeah, really. Uh, and like our influence, like right, our influences. We're influenced by style. We're influenced by music. We're influenced by other art. You know, it's bound to happen. But there's no way. In my mind, that you can should, make an argument that they were not influenced in some way by Kimba. Should I, mean, I have this waited? is like under pressure versus Ice Ice Baby. Exactly, <laughs> that is a great that is a great analogy. You should know? I have waited until after this was over? No, this is a perfect time to do it. Okay. Uh, so the last thing I want to talk about is this: uh, the the similarities were so noted in the animation community that uh, there was a scene. In an episode of The Simpsons, I don't know if you remember this, uh, where Lisa's saxophone tutor, Bleeding Gums Murphy, uh, voiced by uh, uh, James Earl Jones, she goes, he he dies, and she goes and he she sees her in the cloud, and then uh, Mufasa shows up, and then Darth Vader, and then finally James Earl Jones just saying, this is CNN, all appear in the clouds to say something, but when uh, Mufasa shows up, he goes, Kimba, I mean Simba. <gasps> Oh, oh wow! I remember Good for the that. Simpsons. So they, the <laughs> Simpsons, playing uh, homage to, they're they're knowing that that wasn't real. So yeah, just just that was something I wanted to say before we we went on. Um, I and with, uh, am shocked. <laughs> I am shocked. My world is shook. And uh, with that, I think it's time to take the, the, the VHS out of the clamshell and stick it in the VCR. All right, we'll see you on the other side, listeners. Listeners, we are back. You can tell when Tara really likes a thing when she goes, listeners. Like, and then, she's like, like really? I'm getting real with you. <laughs> yeah, like, we are back, and it was just as good as I remembered uh, it. I amazing. got all the feels. Yes, I got all the feels in the spots that you, I always do. I laughed. I cried. I think we all laughed, and I think we all cried. I did not cry. I, and, and again. That's, or like teary-eyed. That doesn't mean you had to have part. crocodile it, tears. But. Well, it's, it's funny because the part where... Spoiler alert, Mufasa dies, mm-hmm. um, which we've now said spoiler alert for it like three times. Uh, it's the I forgot how serious after he's like, come on, dad. That's the part like, that gets oh me. Yeah. That's where it gets me. And then he snuggles up under his arm. Oh, God. Okay. We'll get there. But yeah, yeah that part But you gets were me. bawling like before it was coming. Yes. You were crying. I was actually crying. You I were like, like looking at me and sniff, like you like Like we keep the microphone on and talk to each other while we watch this during the thing. And. Did you hear her? Like, I actually couldn't uh, tell until you said something, Tara. Oh, God, well, I yeah. I was, down a little he bit. He did turn yeah. it down. I will say uh, that I did see Lion. Uh, Lion. I did see Ryan. <laughs> love. I was that trying is your to say Ryan now. love. And yeah, it came out as Lion. Uh, I did see Ryan loving on the dog a little extra during the Mufasa scene. So I think it was getting to you, too. Aww. You just had a dog to snuggle with next to you. Um... I always think Lady has a very like lion energy, and I, I know agree. that's weird. I think it's because 
she, when she, especially when she's out sunning, she looks like the lions at the zoo, just like surveying her domain. Yes, and like yes, uh, yes. just basking in the sun. But I guess what were your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I loved. I obviously loved it. <laughs> it's it's my favorite Disney movie. Um, even after watching it all these years later, I mean, it still brings back those memories of the first mm-hmm. time you saw it. You know what I mean? Um, and still during that that death scene, like yeah, you well up a little bit, and I mean, Look you can't really guy. help it. Look at this tough guy. You well up a little bit. You, you know. do. <laughs> Are your are your Philly job. friends listening to this? Is that what you're worried about? You're gonna lose some clout. <laughs> <laughs> they hey, they Matt, definitely. We heard, your, we heard your episode of Taryn Ryan's Princess Diary. <laughs> <laughs> well, what were your thoughts, Ryan? I think you were the one who had like the least emotional connection to it going <sighs> into it. I I still feel that. Like, uh, here's the thing. Like, I watch, and it is in no way like not a good movie. It's a very yeah. good movie. It's very beautiful. It's I think like the colors are so pretty it's just like i remembered it i think they the updated version is on here like it's got a new print um i like everything about it but it's just not my favorite but it's still great yeah and i and i don't think i had the same attachment that you guys had watching it matt as soon as it started was like i love it when some of our guests do this you go Man, I don't remember the last time I saw this was, and it's like, yes, here we go. Yeah, because I like, I like, I, I love every guest we have, but the ones who are like, I watched this, you know, a little while ago. You don't get the same like nostalgia hit from mm-hmm. like through someone else that you do. Doing and there's this. something that you watched a lot as a child, and you just haven't really thought about it or revisited it. We also were recording this a little out of order, and I had such a unexpected joy for the goofy movie which is our next oh, movie yes um but we uh record we've already recorded so i think that's a little bit of it is like that was such an out of left field that this one well, is still you had good i never seen it i never seen it i've which just and i was oh, like wow. but i was also like everyone loves this movie so i'm not gonna like it because it's like nostalgic it's not that good i got out of it, i was like i love this movie anyway that's neither here nor there we're here to talk about lion yes. king and tara's got so many notes. I don't so. have as many as you think I have, so it's fine. Let's let's uh, go. Let's do this. But we were talking about the opening sequence and how it is so joyous that you do want to sing along, even though none of us know the words completely. And we were watching this. None of us know the words other than, ah! Uh, like, other than that, I don't think any of us could. <laughs> Give me one more word. One word out of that. Savinia. Is that it? I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> um, I'm not confident in that. But, um... But yes, but we were talking about how, like, you were saying earlier, you know, you can sing it in gibberish in your car, in the shower. I'm also of the belief that you can sing any song on a syllable, so oh. I say go for it. <laughs> You're married to the personification of I sing a, a song on a on a symbol. Have you seen that there's that thing I posted where it was uh, uh, Radioactive by... Uh, what's the name of that band? Imagine Dragons? Yeah. Mm-mm. But it's only I'm Waking Up. What do you mean? It's just I'm waking up, I'm waking up, oh, I'm waking up, okay. I'm waking up, and it's the whole song just I'm waking up, I'm waking, oh waking up. That's every song to me. Every song is like that, and we're I don't know. I'm worried we put too much of that song in there. It's me singing, so it's probably okay. Yeah. A better version is in Ernest Saves Christmas when he's like, Oh Christmas tree, oh Christmas tree, oh Christmas tree, oh yes. Christmas. And it's just yeah. that. That's uh-huh. how word. That's how songs are to me. <laughs> I don't know words to songs. I just know how they so, they sound. 
I wrote here that like it's beautiful and emotional for moment one. Like the sweeping scenes that we see, all the animals coming together. We know something joyous is about to happen. We see them up. We see Mufasa and Sarabi up on Pride Rock. And Ryan, you mentioned you loved the birds on the elephant tusks. And I, is that something that you think birds do? Yeah, I think that, you know, I, maybe not that specifically, but there's so much, you know, there's what I think of is those little tiny birds that have really good eyesight mm-hmm. and they sit on rhinos and they act as a first wa- warning Oh, interesting. and they fly off. Okay. And there's another thing. I think when we went to Waco and saw the mammoths, there's like mm-hmm. that big, there's a, there's a national park or, or state park in, in Waco. That's uh, a bunch of petrified mammoth uh, remains, but there's like one camel in there. Yeah. And so they think that the camel had like better, better eyesight. eyesight or something than the mammoth. So that's why there was a can because they found one camel at like every pack, oh, every 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 herd. So yeah, so it was common for a camel to be with the. rest So there's of them. that like symbiology which goes into this whole circle of life thing. Yeah. That everybody has a place and everybody helps each other. Um, and I think that's just displayed very beautifully in that and like we're gonna quick. hitch a ride yeah. on this, and that yeah. I just like that scene a lot because that feels like watching a little bit of a planet earth documentary yes but it's animated yeah i don't know no it does feel that way <laughs> maybe for i'm sure. crazy uh, the <laughs> other i could totally see that <laughs> yeah the other thing i find interesting is um you were mentioning ryan something about the animator movements with zazu we see zazu oh. flies like across all the animals and then you have oh that's a great something. great scene yeah yeah she, it's such she, a great he bows shot. down but he does it with his wings mm-hmm. and then the thing uh animator for zazu is ellen woodbury lady animator in all the right. 90s way to go girl um and like they talk a little bit about there's this, you know, the usual thing they do in Disney documentaries where they're like, the animators have to be actors themselves. And they're mm-hmm. looking in mirrors and she's doing, she's like, I wanted to see how he would do with wings. So she did a lot of like big arms and stuff and they're yeah. showing that. And then they cut to, only this guy could animate the hyenas. And it's one of the animators whose name is Alex Cooperschmidt, I believe. And he is like up on his legs, like on on something, and they light it really scary, and they get right up in his face. And I was like, "Oh no, that's great!" Yes. Uh, and then we have the moment where I think you and Matt were about to say the same thing. My mom it wakes me up the same way. Yeah. Yes. When Simba's getting basically his his bath before he's presented to all the animals, and then the title sequence happens. After they present Simba. So yes. I thought that that was really cool because we're watching how the title sequences work with each film. So we hear the music. We see the animals. We don't know the title, the Lion King, yeah. until after Simba they is presented really by They don't really do Rafiki. that very yeah. much. They don't play, at least up to this point, they don't play with the title sequence that much. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of Interesting. cool. Interesting. I didn't think about that. And, you know, it's the iconic scene of Rafiki holding him up. But have you seen that video where it's someone reanimates it to where he just throws the... No. <laughs> no. I've I've actually I've actually seen a meme where they had Snooky uh in place of Simba where Rafiki holds Snooky up <laughs> guys, from Jersey Shore. Listeners, <laughs> listeners, please post your uh memes because I feel like this is often. Oh, I'm sure there's a bunch, yeah. Over and over again. I we'll also love up. the modern family episode. I lost it. Oh. It's the first episode. I think it's the first episode. Uh, where Mitch and Cam, they're adopting a daughter, and that's how they want it to present the daughter to the family is like walking into the circle <laughs> yeah. of life music. And then someone else has a baby, and they get the baby and do that, and they're, everyone's like, they had all that, those, because they have car, like robes and yeah, stuff, they and they're like, yeah, those robes in the car. Yeah. Um, 
But then it cuts to Scar, and I also thought that was interesting because we've commented on that before in, I think, in Aladdin where Jafar is, we see Jafar pretty early on, I believe, and I think it's the same Mm -hmm. here. We see Scar pretty early on. Sometimes we don't see our villains too much later in the movie. Sometimes we see them right away. Right after that title sequence, it goes to Scar. So I found that really interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then you get Zazu alerting Scar that the king is coming, Mufasa's coming, and you find out they're brothers. He didn't show up for Simba's ceremony. And, you know, they kind of get in this back and forth a little bit. I, I have a statement. I'm trying to think of how to say this the best way I can. But Scar is obviously queer-coded. Mm-hmm. Scar has the most drag queen energy, I think, even more, I think, than Ursula. In so much as I feel like Scar feels like someone who should have been on RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, no, just I the see way, that. like, and I think part of why he's so mad is because drag does not exist in the Savannah, <laughs> and he cannot like have that outlet. Like, I don't know how to describe it, but he's so like he's pent up. He's got a lot of. It's everyone's have been, you know, and I don't want to compare that. To drag queens, because I don't want to say what their journey is on how they become a drag queen. I, think I don't want to compare it like that. He's a, an evil person in this, but there's a, a level of being misunderstood and being different and othering that's probably not good. That's part of, like, he's not strong. He's smarter, but that's yeah. not looked on and as good And that's not valued. Now, we don't see him ever using that smarts for good, so it's hard to qualify mm-hmm. if, you know, whatever. Yeah. But it's just, he's got that, like, oh, who, me energy? Yeah. Like. He's like, uh, and he's always twisting everyone's words, but like, just and for Ursula lack of a better term, that, dripping poison in their ear. Yeah, Ursula has that sing-songy yeah. way of talking to people, but really she's scheming behind the scenes. I think he goes to the next level with that. I think some of it is you've got Andreas Deja building off of Ursula. Mm-hmm. I just, I just think you know we've talked a lot about queer coding in our our enemies and I our enemies. Let me say that again. Yes. <laughs> we've, we've talked about queer coding and our villains. And I mm-hmm. think this is just the pinnacle of that Yeah. because I don't know if we've talked about this on the show, but Andreas Deja was a, a, a gay man or is a gay I man. I think He's still, we yeah. talked about it in Aladdin, but so I think a lot of his, of that is coming through in this. Mm-hmm. I love Scar. I for, did not remember how much I, Oh yeah. I think Scar- I like it more now knowing all this information about his, we're like building to this. Yeah, I think we were all excited when he was on the screen. I think we get a lot of information very quickly from this scene with Scar mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. how he interacts with Mufasa versus how he interacts with Zazu, how he interacts with that mouse. Did he ever end up eating that mouse? We don't see it, but okay. Zazu saying like don't play with your food. Like there's just a lot that I feel like we learn about him. The other thing I wanted to mention because Mufasa roars here and it reminded me, I didn't mention this earlier. I read something that every roar was done by a person. Yeah, there is a picture of them into a trash can. Yeah, so it wasn't yeah. it wasn't an actual animal roar, which I found really impressive because they sound like animal roars. Right. Can we also talk about James Earl Jones's voice and how the man sounds like he's purring? Like that's I how know. low he hits his low bases. It's so yeah, good. Really. Ugh. Then there's I wrote here the stunning landscape when we're watching the rain come in kind of over the Sahara. And they talk about that in the art book where all the art, when they went to the trip to Africa, they could see like five different thunderstorms because you could see for so many miles and they wanted to recreate that. And I think it's a really good example of it here when the rain kind of comes in on Pride Rock. 
And then we cut to Simba awake before sunrise. And I love that. He's your son before sunrise. Yeah, it's such a good parenting joke. Yeah, it's so good. And so this is where Mufasa starts explaining balance and explaining Mm -hmm. the circle of life. And we're all connected. I have a a, a bone to pick with Mufasa because he's like, we're all involved in the circle of life. See, we also die and become the grass and the antelope eat us. Yes, but you die of like old age and just slowly become the grass. Whereas like (laughs) antelopes are ripped to shreds. In like a horrific ending. Fair enough. I'm yes. just saying. Yes. Like that even is we true. see that in Timon and Pumbaa, Pumbaa later, they aren't like, oh, the circle of life. I guess it's time to be eaten and become. No, the herbivores do not like the circle. Of life. Yes. Yeah. I mean that is true. Um, we are seeing it from the king's point yeah. of view. Uh, but yes. But just talking, saying. Just saying. Talking about how everything is connected, and I think I write it here later on. Um, and maybe we want to talk about it later on, but now I've I've set it up, so I'll just say it. I think when you think of how much time Simba has with Mufasa on the screen, it's not a lot compared to the whole time of the movie. And the relationship that they're able to convey and build in these scenes with how close they are, I think is why we're so emotional when we lose Mufasa. Mm-hmm. And I just I'm just really impressed with how strong they get across how close these two are why like, didn't you want to say he, that now well because i was thinking maybe i should say oh, okay. it for the death scene but even when later on they're playing like he's going to reprimand him for being in the graveyard which mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the boneyard they still have a very playful way with one another yeah and i don't know i just really like that i think uh mufasa is the dad that we all want like mufasa is like very tough but not super stern he's fair uh he's he has that you know that domineering kind of a uh, persona and he is the king. And so like, of course you want that to be like your dad, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You, uh, with, with, with his personality and how he kind of just rules over everything and, uh, how he carries himself and, you know, everyone, uh, everyone loves him and everyone respects him at at the end of the day. That's the biggest part of it. Yeah. And the way he protects everyone. Obviously he's protective of his son, but he's protective of every part of the kingdom. Jumping ahead. I do like when he is mad at Simba for going to the elephant graveyard, but he's like, and worst of all, you endangered, not like he's like, you put others in danger. Yeah. You didn't think trying to teach him of that. I, I, this movie's basically like the point of this movie is, the um uh enormity of stepping into your you know father or uh, this place and then your into an adult role uh, your yeah. father's role mm-hmm. and so i think they wanted to make mufasa likable so they made the I, the idea of him being king is what is the hard thing to go you know it's simba is 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 a little bit like i can't be like because he's also a good person but like i like that they put it a little more on being a king and not so much like i feel like in other movies that do this it's like you need to, you know, the father's an imposing figure, mm, like in a, yeah. in, in a not great way. And in this way, like everybody loves Mufasa. Yeah. And I think they get that across really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we then see the hyena in the pride lands. Um, well, we hear them. We from hear the, them. Yeah. The gopher receives information yes, from, the right. from the can underground. From the underground. Can we talk about the animal pun parade that is Zazu's morning report? Oh my gosh. It's so good. <laughs> I've never, and I, it's Watch this movie with subtitles. subtitles. Like, yeah. that's part of it with, with what we do with this. But, like, he has so many, like, good little quips. And I can't remember any now. But, like, we were just 
Because we know what Mufasa and Simba are going to do. We've seen the movie. We were just yeah. listening to that, and I was like, this is fascinating. Yeah, Zazu has a lot of lines that we all I love the at. part where he said that cheetahs never prosper. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that was a good one. I also, you guys didn't realize this was Rowan Atkinson, who's Mr. Bean and the uh, shop clerk from uh, Love Actually. Yes, no, I didn't realize that, which is great. Yeah, that's I amazing. I love Zazu. I think I had a Zazu stuffed animal, too. I had a lot of the Lion King stuffed You have a lot of stuffed animals. I did, yes. Um... So then we see Simba with Scar. And so again, now you're seeing how Scar is able to manipulate a child, which is obviously much easier to do than Mufasa, right? But we kind of see how this works and their relationship. I love when he flops down on the ground. Yes. He's so dramatic. He's so sarcastic that, oh, goody. Like that whole... A monkey's uncle. Yeah. He's so good. And we'll talk about it in the ranking, but that totally goes into like mm-hmm, the strength mm-hmm. of a villain but he mentions the elephant graveyard on accident and i'm Oops. saying that in big air quotes right <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh and so simba goes to get nala and that's where they want to go but they kind of lie and tell their moms they're going to the watering hole and they're like you can go as long as you take zazu so now the whole bit is how do we get rid of zazu mm-hmm. and this is where i just can't wait to be king happens and with a lot of the musical sequences, I'm not going to talk a ton about them because you really just need to watch them. They're so good. But Ryan, you mentioned forgetting how when he jumps down, everything changes with the color palette. Like not even cool subtly. Like yeah. it switches to a different background, mm-hmm. like with a kind of a starburst. And the it's design, cool. like everything about it. it it's really neat. The yeah, way it's, do that. it's much brighter colors. It's lots more stylized. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, really forgot how much I like this song. I think mostly because I like the like the, yeah. the bass notes they hit with it. Uh-huh. Like this might be my pick for best song, but we'll we'll get there later. It's also hard for me to not watch this movie and think of the direct scenes <laughs> that I would play in the Super Nintendo game. So oh, like, it yeah. was hard for me to not see those monkeys and be like, oh, those monkeys were so hard to now, like flip around <laughs> and jump on and stuff like that. Matt, you said you played the Genesis version. Yeah, I had the Genesis version. Um, okay, fight, go. What do you mean, fight? <laughs> uh, I have the Super NES. I don't know that I've played the Genesis because I've played the Switch version, and the Switch version, I believe, is the Super NES version. Whereas with Aladdin, the Switch version is a mix Check of the Genesis out this version. Nerd. I'm just saying. Well, it's, whereas the Aladdin. <laughs> well, because it's not how I remembered it as a kid, and I never had a, a Sega. So, so, yeah, but. <laughs> uh, I personally think one of the hardest levels is the, it's kind of the Akuna Matata level because you're jumping on these logs on waterfalls and you have to like get up and that one was really hard. But I don't know, Matt, did you have a level that like, I think a lot of the levels are hard, but do you remember a level? Uh, I feel one? like I remember Simba jumping on bugs. Uh, yes. I, and they, they would like poof. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, He'd like pounce on them. I th- that's really the only thing I remember. Of. That's fine. <laughs> you, you particularly, Tara, went, oh, the blue monkeys. When the I blue know. Monkeys well, I've up. also played it recently because I had it for Switch. So I think I played it last year. Mm-hmm. I got it. Um, so it's more in my mind. But we uh, also didn't talk about uh, when Mufasa teaches Simba to pounce. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think I skipped over that, but I love that scene, and he pounces on Zazu. Well, I love the second when he turns around to do a wide shot, and Simba and, and Mufasa are gone, which is kind of, yeah. you know, what when happens. lions are stalking. Did you, have either of you guys ever seen, what's that lion movie? The Ghost in the Darkness? Mm-mm. With Val Kilmer and, and uh, oh my God, what's his name? The guy who he's in, he was in uh, Fatal, no, Basic mm-hmm. Instinct. 
and Ant Man. Oh, <laughs> um, Paul Rudd. The, no, the, the older uh, guy, Michael Douglas. Thank you, Michael yeah. Douglas. Wow. Um, but it's that's a good movie. That was the end of that story. <laughs> that's it. But no, I think Wait. the thing is, is they show the lions in the like brush, and you can't see them; they disappear. Yes. And they kind of do that later in this movie when. Pumba is looking out, and Nala's like, mm-hmm. kind of Nala's out of focus, and then all of a sudden, I just thought that was here, cool. Yeah. Uh, so great, 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 great podcasting, <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> the end of Jeez. the end of I just can't wait to be king is this whole pyramid of animals, and then Zazu's at the bottom. They all fall, they all scurry away, and Zazu goes, "Madam, there's a there's a rhino, the rhino. yeah, uh, <laughs> Madam, please move." <laughs> yes, but then um, Nala and Simba they pin one another. They're rolling down. Uh, and they roll into the graveyard and into this elephant graveyard and Zazu appears kind of scolding them trying to get them out of here and that's when we first meet the hyenas so this is where we first see the hyenas and you said Jim Cummings is Ed so I don't think we mentioned that as the third voice Jim Cummings plays Tigger and Pooh and Pete in in Goofy Movie and he is Ed and he's we'll get into a little bit more of another role he had in this in this movie yeah very very shortly here yep so then I wrote here, it's really scary. This is like a very scary scene. I mean, I watched this relatively young, but this scene when they're like, they're tormenting Zazu and they're like putting him over the, the birdie boil or whatever they call it. I don't That's not what it's They called. live over like geysers and like, like yeah, their places. Where the ground opens up and lava just comes out. Yes. Like, yeah. so it's kind of Or like scary. poison gas and be yeah. prepared. And so there's this whole chief. <laughs> There's this whole chase scene between them, and it gets pretty intense, and Nala and Simba kind of get cornered, and then you hear Simba try to roar, and it's this very soft, you know, he hasn't really figured out how to roar yet, and they make fun of him for it, and then he goes to do it again, and it's this giant roar, and we realize Mufasa has come, so Mufasa comes Mm -hmm. and saves them, um... And then this is where we were talking about where he kind of scolds Simba. He tells Zazu to take Nala and he wants to teach him a lesson. You know, I've got to teach my son a lesson. And he like sinks into the grass until his eyes are the only thing Simba does. Simba's very sheepish there, yeah. Um, And this is just another beautiful backdrop. Like with the sun setting, they get like that twilight hour or whatever it's called. What's that hour? The golden hour? The golden hour, I believe. Yeah, they get like that and then it goes to dark as they're looking in the sky. Um, And then when Simba says, we're pals, we're always going to be together. That's probably when I started crying about (laughs) Mufasa dying. Like that line like really got me. That that's when it started. Yeah. The foreshadowing that at least I kind of saw as a kid. I like when he said that it kind of it, it almost seemed like he singled that line out like yeah. well we're yeah. always going to be friends like it's like in the uh, war movie when the guy's like I got 2 days to retirement <laughs> yeah exactly oh, yeah, <laughs> I got to get yeah. back and see my girl I think we all sighed at that line Here's a picture a, of her yeah it was dead, a tough dead. One. <laughs> um so then we get to be prepared which was so good the opening of that is so good everything about it is so good um, I love the hyenas kind of interjecting the Mufasa, ooh, say it again. Like, that's always a big <laughs> bit. Um, but we find out that he gift-wrapped the cubs to them. So we kind of knew that, but now he's basically blatantly admitting it. Like, you guys were supposed to take care of mm-hmm. the cubs. And so we're finding this out. And then he's like, oh, he gets the idea we're going to kill Mufasa. And so when Scar walks through that green smoke in the beginning... It is just so good. Like, this is such a good villain song. It's so, 
I think it's up there with poor unfortunate souls. Like, I think it's a really, I, I don't know what you think because you've watched Little Mermaid recently, but I think it's up there. I think, I think it, it's close. Yeah. I think it's, I like it. It's got it. some really strong moments in it. So it's interesting to watch because there's big parts that are like fascist imagery they're yes, taking. very and much so. I'm, I feel like people have been like, they're using fascist imagery and I'm like, yeah, he's the bad guy. Yeah. Like he's supposed and, and he's very tyrannical. He's very, yeah. he has a lot of traits. That- he's not very like he's not very strong but he's good at manipulating people so he's getting the the hyenas up into a frenzy. I don't know. Sometimes I think people just go there's something bad here therefore movie is bad and it's like no. Like you can like if you use that 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 imagery in the in in, in like a context that is uh fetishizing it or or heroicizing it Mm -hmm. that's a problem but this is the bad guy doing his thing yeah so i'm okay with it it also looks cool as heck i to the end of the like you look at old this is gonna get a little weird but you look at old nazi movies and you take out the fact that they're (laughs) genocidal jerks for lack of a better term like like part of the reason he did so good is is he took put a lot of money into some of the greatest German filmmakers and he directed them into what he was doing. Yeah. And so the stuff looks great. Yeah. But that's, you know, it's also terrible. Yeah. Boy, I'm and saying see- a lot of stuff that's going to get me canceled <laughs> on this episode. And see- um, but seeing the way the hyenas march, they high that's step. That's a yeah, they yeah. kind of high step. Um, I, the other thing yeah. I wanted to bring up here yeah. is um I is uh Jeremy Irons like heard his voice singing this. So Jim Cummings, who does Ed, had to come in and he sings Scar's part for like the final verse. Which is interesting because you, I don't think you notice it really at all. It's, it's no, they pretty blended nuts. that really well. Yeah, because yeah, well, Jim Cummings is a is he's you know not a famous actor, but he's a a top notch voice voice actor. Guy. He's done yeah. so many different things. There's a video I'll put up that is they just showed this at D23 of Jim Cummings <laughs> like doing Ed, and he's just like with his headphones, he's like. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> and he just does it and like the audience like loses their mind it's amazing uh the other thing i wanted to mention is kind of towards the end and be prepared i think they did such a good job where scar is up on that rock looking down on everyone but his shadow's so big yeah he's so meek right mm-hmm. like he's supposed to be feeble and weaker but his shadow projecting on the rock behind him is so huge yeah. and i just really like the way that that all looked and, and what they were conveying there with that um but then we cut to scar with simba um and telling him he's going to be surprised and you know the surprise is just for you and your dad and your daddy and tells him to stay there don't come with me he basically belittles him before he leaves though he's like you don't want to get in trouble like you did in the graveyard and he belittles him about his roar like yeah. he's so good at making someone feel like they're nothing he's really yeah, good at yeah, that. yeah yeah um and we see all the the wildebeest calm and the hyenas waiting for the single signal from scar and then all of a sudden the rumbling of the ground and that's when it starts and the way the music builds here oh, and just everything phenomenal. about it well like, i just remember the shot of simba's face that's like an extreme yes. zoom in and this whole thing is very scary scar runs to tell mufasa what's going on mufasa gets knocked down several times he winds up saving simba who's up on a branch struggling to climb up so simba goes to meet mufasa he thinks he's going to meet him at the top 
and then he hears him fall and then we as the viewer know what actually happens long live the king yes which is scar pushes him to his death uh which is just terrible what did we t- we talked about cl- him always having his claws i think out. i mentioned it I think yeah so. but we it's watching it, it really was interesting mm-hmm. and then just like real quick i do remember there's a scene in just can't wait to be king just where Simba goes, like, on an incline up a tree and his claws come out for a sec. Yeah. So they just have him come out just every once in a while. But I just thought that attention to detail was cool. And the same with Mufasa. Like, his claws yeah. come in and out. Yeah. Um, and I wrote here, I knew it was coming and I'm crying. Like, I oh, wrote it in my oh, notes. Oh, sobbing. listeners, bawling. Sobbing. Like, sobbing. I'm not ashamed. I'm not saying you're ashamed. <laughs> but then we see Scar in the shadows as Simba, this part, we talked about this earlier, where Simba's like, Dad, wake up. That's what gets me. Is like him trying to wake up his dad, and then he like snuggles under his dad's arm, and like that whole thing. And then seeing Scar come out from like the cloud of dust, the way they did that was so cool too. He mm. coming like out of the shadows. Um, and then Matt said, We're gonna have to quack this, but Matt was like, He's such a <laughs> <laughs> and he Oh is, yeah, because like, you said oh. it you said he it because he goes, Simba, what have well, you done? Here's the thing is every other time he's been manipulative, it's been sarcastic to the point of like funny to the audience. Yeah. And this time he's like so earnest and just like, What have you done? Like it's Yeah. He really is He makes Simba believe yeah. that he killed his father yep. because he was out there and like that's why his father died. And so he tells him to run away and never return. And then he sends the hyenas to kill him. But, of course, they get to the thorns. And is it Ed who goes? No, it's... Bonsai. Bonsai goes into the thorns. And so he comes out and then they all don't want to go after them. And they Mm -hmm. just said, you know, they threaten him. If you come back, we'll kill you. Uh, And then Scar Oh, can I I interject a really, really small story? You can interject a really, really long story if you want. Yeah, go uh, ahead. So there is a uh, there's a conspiracy theory about uh, Mufasa's death that's been going around uh, the last year. I didn't where, find uh, this on the dark web. <laughs> there's, well, there's there's a guy that is uh, well, he's on TikTok, I think, and he analyzes the death scene and says, uh, so Mufasa dies, right? But what happens to his body? And uh, you you kind of look through the video and you see, well. The hyenas didn't eat him because hyenas don't eat lions. But there's a scene later on where Scar is talking to Zazu in the cage. Oh, and he's and got the he bone. has he has the skull. And if you look at the shape of the skull, it looks like the shape Matthew. of a lion's skull. Matthew. <laughs> you stop this right now. Oh my gosh. He ate his brother. It is quite possible that Scar ate Mufasa. He does give the eulogy, and we. I thought I Mufasa's had the biggest body. mic drop conspiracy. <laughs> Apparently, Matt is going deeper into the dark web than I dare oh roam. Oh my, my god! I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's really not. I mean, think I'm about gonna insert, it. I'm going to insert. I'm going to insert a record scratch. Right after you'd reveal that. That's great. I think that's perfect. But yeah, he gives this eulogy. We don't see Mufasa there, but he gives this eulogy to all the other lions and is basically like, to lose Mufasa is one thing, but to lose a boy who, you know, had so much of his life to live. Like this eulogy, he lays it on so thin. Anyway, here's 90 hyenas that are moving in. (laughs) Yes, yeah. And then he's like, lions and hyenas can come together, like in the same breath as like... There was... Uh, something I read that I I wish I'd written down so I don't have the exact things, but apparently like a 
conservation of hyenas group like mm-hmm. fake protested this movie oh where they were like the the depiction of hyenas in this are they're not always villainous henchmen they can sometimes yeah. rise to the you know like blah 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 blah. and they and then they're like are you really mad like no we've had way more people interested in hyena conservation <laughs> since this movie came out like you're, you're helping us it's fine like they were really cool about it it's yeah. not like uh jaws where like jaws like really set back shark sharks yeah conservation for a long time this was like everyone was like oh it's a cartoon so i just think that was cool that they were very cool like sent out a fake press release that yeah. was like um so the next thing we cut to is buzzards flying over simba so <laughs> we see him kind of passed out and then fly kind of running in or timon and pumbaa they're bowling for buzzards mm-hmm. and so we get introduced to these two characters uh, they take Simba to some water, and I love that Pumbaa is kind of asking to keep him like a pet. Like, can we keep him? Can we keep him? Like, Pumbaa really wants to take care of him and keep him, and Timon's kind of like, he's only going to get bigger. Like, yeah. you know, they eat us, and so I like the whole kind of banter back and forth between them about all of that. And then they talk about being outcasts, and so Ryan's wondering what Timon did to be an outcast. We they, never find we out. We find out P- Pumbaa smelled bad. Yeah, in Akuna Matata, we find out that Pumbaa smelled bad, but we never find out what Timon did. Timon, I think, I'm thinking on. I made a joke about him being a mass murderer, but I'm thinking more like embezzlement. <laughs> like I could definitely see him as he like a scheming. white collar crime guy. He was doing guy. something. Yeah, he yeah. was doing a scheming of some sort. A, uh, he was a Ponzi scheme of some sort or a pyramid. Yeah. You know? Uh, but I love that they teach Simba how to be a vegetarian. You know, they teach him to eat grub because they don't want him to have a taste for them. I basically it's 1994 so yeah it's 1994 (laughs) so them tricking him like makes sense but I kind of wish they'd been like yeah when you're murdering an antelope that antelope has a family and that antelope (laughs) like you take like I want him to be like you're a monster and here's your problem like I want to kind of like I want this to be like a real I know it's it's a, a, a cartoon movie about the jungle but I would love for it to be like the end of the movie is like veganism is introduced to this lion culture or yeah. something. I don't know. Um, but then there's a montage of him growing up that I love mm-hmm. when he's walking across the log. So we kind of see him During growing up. Hakuna Matata. Yes. The the proto what did I say? It was the first Let It Go song. Yes. Where yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Stop playing. Uh-huh. So then it cuts back to Scar, and this is kind of the scene that Matt was just talking about where we might see Mufasa's skull in the background. Oh my god! Um, and those get, those songs and jokes they do are pretty good. Yes, you get Zazu <laughs> singing. He's kind of in a bone prison. He's in like a rib cage yeah. of an animal. Possibly. Oh my gosh, is that yeah. Mufasa's rib cage? Yeah, I just Matt might be. This movie. Oh my gosh, that's dark. Um, but he's in a bone prison. <laughs> And so he's singing, and so I do like that. I always like. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts, dear lady. Is that from something? Yes, it's a. It's I think Danny Kay. Oh yeah. I, I could I could totally be wrong there. I'd have to look it up. But so I, I remember. I really I remember at the beginning of this. I said I didn't have any memories of this when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I remember this because I remember seeing it. I think with my dad, and he laughed really hard at because he hates. It's a small world. Oh, so he laughed when they made that joke. Like yeah. his joke is always, if I ever get rich, he wants to have uh, like a giant box of shotgun shells, a shotgun, and unlimited rides on It's a Small World. Like if he was insanely rich, that's what he's always said. It's just to go around and take out 
the children on It's a Small World. Speaking of taking it to a dark place. I'm just, well, they're boy. Like, but, uh, so uh, I just remember him laughing at that joke. And then yeah. when it came up, I remembered all of a sudden. Uh, we cut back to Scar with Sarabi. And we basically find out that he's told them to never mention Mufasa's name again. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't mention Mufasa's it's name. A royal or it might be law. with the hyenas. Um, you know, it's the lioness's job to do the hunting, and the hyenas say that there's no food, there's no water. For the record, it is the lioness's job to do the hunting in, in yes, the Yes, but world. he's blaming everything on yeah, them. I'm just trying to inject a little edu- edu- edutainment. Mm-hmm. Trying to get a little Thank learning you. in there. Thank you for, for the... Was that your Dice Clay impression? Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> for the National Geographic fact, I do appreciate it. Uh, so then Pumbaa is wondering what the sparkling dots are. So this is where they talk about their fireflies. And yes. Pumbaa thinks that they're balls of gas. And he, then that's when Pumbaa we realize is. Pumbaa is the smartest of everyone. Yes. Uh, and then when Simba kind of bashfully tells them, you know, it's other great kings looking down on us, they start laughing at him. And Simba kind of is embarrassed felt that he shared this story. a little mean and out of yeah, place. It, did, it felt a little mean-spirited. I don't think that was the intention but it did feel a little mean-spirited and maybe it's because we see how hurt simba mm-hmm. is from them laughing at him from it um but then it cuts to rafiki who's grasping kind of these feathers and different things in the wind blow from simba yeah and dandelions and blades of grass and things that simba's laying in and he gets up and the wind picks that up and it blows into rafiki and that's when he has this epiphany that simba is alive and that's when i remembered that I had a yearbook quote that was Rafiki, and I completely forgot about it. So the quote I used was, oh, yes, the past can hurt, but the way I see it can either run from it or learn from it. I want you to now read. Oh, go quote. back, go back, go oh. back to your page. And I want you to read the quote of the person above you and below you. Okay, so I'm the last person on my page, I think. Hold on. Okay, so just the person above you. Wait, where am I now? I lost it alphabetical tiara so it shouldn't be that far away (laughs) (laughs) there i am okay i'm the last person so there's two people above me you want me to just read one person above you i'm not looking for the yellow brick road i'm just gonna go my own way that's a i'm just waiting for mcgraw oh my god okay and then above that is (laughs) seize the moment try to freeze and own it Squeeze it and hold it so we consider these minutes golden. I think mine's pretty good compared to those. Yeah, two. I was gonna make fun of you, but then was that like, like an Eminem quote? Yeah, there's nothing listed under the under that second one, so I don't know who quotes that. But yeah, yearbook quotes. I've I totally forgot what it was. Do you guys remember your yearbook quotes? I didn't have yearbook quotes. Really? Yeah. Under our names, yeah, we all had quotes. I mean, I guess you could opt to not have. I had 1,100 people in my graduating class. Oh, I didn't have time for wow. that. Texas is huge. Matt, do you remember? Did you have a yearbook quote? I I don't remember if I did or not. I, it it only it only just said like, oh, where do you see yourself in ten years? And I oh. said, uh, I said, oh, I see myself as being a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you still did some form of that, so I think a you, little you bit did pretty good. If I had a yearbook quote, it'd be what the advice my father always gave me, which was. Oh, God. You're really taking this to all Words to live by. Seriously. Um, Oh, my God. So then we cut back to um, Timon and Pumbaa singing The Lion Sleeps Tonight, which I Mm. I enjoy. I think it's kind of fun that they do that. Oh, I liked it a lot. Yeah. 
And then it cuts to Nala hunting. So this is the scene you talked about where we're following Pumbaa. He kind of gets distracted. He's humming the lion sleeps tonight. He's chasing after this little bug, but he's like stealthily hunting the bug. Mm -hmm. And then... We never talk about the bugs family or any of where the bugs fit in the circle life. That's true. That is true. (laughs) Um, But he's stealthily chasing this bug. And then we see that he is stealthily being watched by Nala. And I like the way that they do those shots where... Um, It kind of zooms in and she comes into focus and Simba comes to their defense and then she pins him like they did when they were kids. He realizes it's Nala. And so they're so excited to see one another. And I love that Timon is like shaking with like frustration of being like, do we not care what's happening here? She was about to eat him. He's your best friend. Like what's happening (laughs) here? Is everyone okay with this? Yeah. Yeah. So that all happens. Everyone thinks Simba's dead, so we go into all of this, Nala, and he's still not telling her what happened, that he thinks it was his fault, that his dad died, and he's trying to tell her that, you know, you just won't understand, and uh, she says, Scar told us about the stampedes, which fills Simba's head with, oh, he must have told them I killed Mufasa, Mm -hmm. so it kind of, like, feeds into that. And then this is where Pumbaa and Timon find out that Simba's actually a king. And so they're kind of pretty shocked by this. I also like the responsibility the film takes with, like, previously the song, you know, Hakuna Matata, means no worries, was, like, kind of nice. But then, like, when he usually he's like, ah, no worries, it doesn't matter. And they're like, no, dude, like, like... Not, it does matter. It does matter. You yeah. have a responsibility and you've really let a lot of people down. I like that it's it, they they kind of do that to where the song is. There's a time when you want to say Hakuna Matata, and there's a time when, like, you need to stand Yeah, up well, stuff. and he doesn't, he says it later. He doesn't fully believe her mm-hmm. that it's as bad as she says it is until he, like, comes upon this wasteland when he does go yes. back to Pride Rock. So then, um, Can You Feel the Love Tonight happens, and I talked about how beautiful the water was, but we also talked about a lot of other things with this song. <laughs> Baby making music. Yeah, thank yes. you. Perfect. This is baby making music. Yes, that is the perfect way to say it. Um, but it is a really beautiful because Nala gives him major bedroom eyes. She does give him major bedroom eyes. Y'all know what we're talking about. Yes. Put the kids to sleep, and we can talk about it. And Princess Diaries after, after dark. dark. Yes, uh, but the bedroom eyes are serious. And then Timon and Pumbaa are basically crying because that means you know our carefree days with Sim with Simba are kind of history at this point. So then Simba and Nala, they get into their first fight. It's a pretty big fight because mm-hmm. this is with what Ryan was saying. She's basically being like, no, you need to come back. You don't realize how bad it is. And he's trying to brush it off. And then Rafiki comes into play. And so he starts saying, who are you? And Rafiki's like, it's a secret. And well, I'm not first confused. first Rafiki like, is just hanging in a, in a tree, shaking limbs and singing his song. Like, yeah. I don't know why that always kind of weirded me out as a kid that he doesn't just show up and be like, who are you? I'm Rafiki. He's like, they're like, I think he's so <laughs> like, excited that Simba's alive. He thought Simba was dead. No, he's not. He's being a weirdo. Okay. He's not. He ex- I think he's little, also he's excited, but eccentric. the reason he does that is because he's a weirdo. He's eccentric. He definitely yeah. is eccentric. eccentric. <laughs> and then we did. Y'all, both of y'all work with like patience and things like that yes. so y'all have like it's eccentric they're ex- i'm just like what a weirdo <laughs> um, I, am, I do not have customer service but this is where we did talk about as a group so do we want to talk about this here or at the end um, about Rafiki? let's let's reflect it here okay. um something i noticed is is rafiki you know it, it's hard it, i feel like a a, a common um trope 
No, what that's I'm trying to say is, is, is a com- it, it is for something else, but that's not what I'm getting at. Okay. A common deflection of this trope is, well, it's a bunch of animals. This can't be this trope. Mm. And I'm talking about the, like, magical, wise black person that comes in and, like, solves the protagonist's jumbled brain and leads him on his way. And it feels like Rafiki does that in some ways here. You know, I'm talking about, like, Bagger Vance. I think, Matt, you said... Uh, Morgan Freeman in pretty much every Morgan yeah. Freeman movie. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, and I, I think he does do that trope here. We all kind of, as yeah, soon as I said it, we of, all kind of agreed. Yeah, we watched it, and it does feel that way. I think it's a less drastic, drastic's the wrong word, a less intense version because, of it. Well, because, because they're animals. animals. But he's um, also but the only animal with an actual African Yes, and um, I mentioned that at the, at the accent. start. Yeah. Uh, it's played by a black actor. And I, I definitely think it's there and it's something to kind of like, you know, maybe discuss with your kids or think about yourself or something there. So we just wanted to approach it. I don't know if you guys have other up. thoughts. Uh, Matt, I know you brought up kind of the course correction of this that was that was done with the um, new Lion King movie. Yeah, because um, the the most recent Lion King that uh, came out in 2019, uh, I think that they wanted to make it uh, more authentic um, the one with Donald Glover and Beyonce and they actually have a lot more authentic African music involved um, mm. they uh, you know it's it's live action but it looks it, I mean just visually it looks you know fantastic um, it, it follows a little bit maybe the first 20 minutes it follows like line for line of the actual Lion King movie and then it kind of veers off into its own direction because it's it's its own kind of movie so mm-hmm. um but I think um especially nowadays in today's climate um I think that it's it's important to be more authentic in uh storytelling that way you know uh, a lot of um a lot of TV shows and a lot of movies have been geared more towards well, if the character is of a certain culture, they should be represented by the same culture as the actor. So it just it just makes it more authentic and it makes it feel, you know, more realistic to me. Yeah. Yeah. It also, you know, if you have a predominantly black cast, when you bring in a black actor to magically kind of help the main character, it doesn't seem so much like, thank you, Thank you, black person, for setting me on the right road. Goodbye. Like, you know, <laughs> right. I will now continue to be the main protagonist of this movie, as is my right as a white person. Like, yes. you know, yeah. like it doesn't. It, it, I, I think that 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 blow seems different in that in that situation than it does in this one. I still think Rafiki's great. Yes. Uh, I he cracked me up like he's got yeah. some really good. Scenes. I love the just the bit back and forth with he won't tell him his name, and he's like I'm not confused, you're confused, and I just like that whole bit that like Simba is very confused because he's like I have no idea who you are, like and Rafiki knows who he is. I I think Rafiki is due for some more you know examination of his story, much like 
Obi-Wan Kenobi is getting his own Disney Plus show yes, showing let's get a Rafiki how, he, show. how he watched uh, Luke grow up and what uh-huh. happened there. We should have a Rafiki show where Rafiki is always in the background kind of watching Simba as he, you know, after he knows he's still alive and kind of checks him out and goes on adventures. Let's get a Rafiki show. I'm into it. Rafiki on Disney Plus. Let's do this. <laughs> I'm here uh, for it. <laughs> yes. But he talks about how his father is still alive. I know your father. I know Mufasa. And this is where we see Simba looking at his reflection in the water. And when he looks hard enough, he sees Mufasa in him. And he lives in you, is the quote mm-hmm. that Rafiki says. And then Mufasa comes to Simba in the clouds and tells him, you know, I don't know if he says, does he say I'm just, he doesn't you, say. You have forgotten me. Yes. And he says, no, he I didn't. Say, he goes, you, you've forgotten me because you're not being true to yourself yes, or that's something. What it is. Something along those lines. And then that's. Something great. Just, I just, oh. Yeah. James Earl Jones. It was really great. And then that's where Rafiki like hits him on the head saying about the past can hurt, but it's in the past. I thought that's what your quote was going to be. Yeah. I mean, that's a good one too. Well, it is. I just didn't use the whole thing. Right, right, yeah. okay. So uh, then it cuts back to Timon and Pumbaa and they're sleeping and Nala wakes them up. And I love that they are like, you cannot do that to us. <laughs> like, you cannot just wake us up like that. Uh, and so then Rafiki just shows up to them. None of them know who he is. And he's like, the king has returned. And I was saying to <laughs> well, Matt. That's when, that's when Timon's like, hey, it's uh, old Ben Rafiki. And he's like. Old Ben Rafiki, there's a name. I, I just, I don't know, this is a stupid joke, but I feel like he feels like the, like they know him because it's like, oh, it's that crazy mandrill oh, that lives in the area. Oh, been following us around? Well, I, it seemed to me for some reason this, this on this viewing that Rafiki lived closer to Timon and Pumbaa than he did to Pride Rock. Yeah. I don't know why, but like, I feel like Timon and Pumbaa know him as that crazy old man who lives nearby. Yeah. Um, but... Oh, when he says, uh, the king has returned, I talked about how that was always the save on the Super NES <laughs> games. Like, the oh, king yeah. has returned, and then it would go back to it or whatever. But then we see the montage of Simba running home. It cuts to Pride Rock as a wasteland, mm-hmm. and Simba really realizes like how serious the situation is. And then it cuts to Scar screaming at Sarabi, and as soon as he like swats Backhands. at Sarabi... You see Simba up and the lightning and everyone thinks it's Mufasa. And even Scar is almost thinking like, oh my God, it's Mufasa. He's back. And so Mm -hmm. I kind of like that bit a little bit. And then that's where Scar then gets sing-songy, you know, trying to apologize, trying to like manipulate his way out of it. And um, this is where he starts calling Simba a murderer. He tries to manipulate him here. Like, you killed Mufasa. Tell them all. And it's this whole scene, and Sarabi gets really upset. And then as Simba and Scar start to fight, Simba, the identical scene of where Mufasa falls from a high height, Simba is kind of in the same position. And then Ryan said, Scar ruins it by being a Bond villain and telling him... Oh, yeah. He's got to, you know... if (laughs) If he just kept his mouth shut... But he tells him that it it was him who killed Mufasa. But I, I think that's so his character. Like, oh, even though yes. I said that, like, like yeah. Scar's I think just like, he, mm, I can get away with anything. I think he was bursting to tell someone, and I think it bothered him that no one knew that he did that. I really, like, I think that that's part of his character. But that happens. This whole fight happens between them. Rafiki joins in on the fight. Rafiki Against does some... the hyenas. He does some... Martial arts. Martial, yeah. martial arts. You've got Timon and Pumbaa who are there helping in on the fight. Oh, we didn't talk about the whole hula scene. The the hula I song was, I, is we so talked about good. This, we talked about this on the Facebook page. 
uh, when we were doing our henchman sidekick bracket. Yeah. Uh, because there was a little bit of like, is it is it a little uh, <clears throat> uh, homophobic or transphobic for Timon to go, what do you want me to do? Uh, da- dress a drag? And it's yeah. like, well, it's not drag because all he's wearing is the skirt. Well, and, and that also... Is their, uh, all genders wear the skirt in the traditional luau. Yeah. Just want to put that out there. Also, it was an improvised <laughs> line by Nathan Lane. Yes. I don't know if that lens... It's also 1994. Yes, I don't know where that lens It's a gay man saying argument. that. I think he has a little more... Cl- I don't know. Yeah. It's, but it's also a funny scene. And I... I, I love the song. It's so I, clever. I remember looking at the... The reason I didn't buy the soundtrack is because it didn't have that song on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Because it's a. Why is that song in there? It should be in there. It, it should, should be in there somewhere. I take it back. That's my favorite song. You want a big pig? I, 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 like, yeah. I like it. so and something good. about bacon the way it rhymes. If you're it's aching, so, yes, force the bacon. That's it. It's so good. Um, so everybody kind of joins in on the fight against the hyenas. And then, of course, Simba is fighting Scar. Um, Timon winds up setting Zazu free by joining him in the cage. Yeah. Let me out. Let me out. Let me in. Let yeah. me in. Uh, and then scar- this scare this ending is very scary. They're all in like fire, like a fire starts because it's so dry because there's no water mm-hmm. and the lightning hits and a fire starts. And so there's fire everywhere surrounding Simba and Scar and Simba basically quotes Scar and tells him, I'm not going to be like you. I'm not going to kill you, but run away, like leave and never return. I forgot that's what Scar said to yeah, him. Yeah. So he what says a dummy. it. He says it right back to him. And then Scar just swats hot coals in Simba's face. Couldn't let well enough be. No, there's no way Simba didn't get a scar from that. I'm just saying. Simba Can we should have talk been about how this character, that. part of the reason he's probably angry is that they named him Scar. Well, before because he, he had, had a... a... <laughs> not when he was born. You don't know how that scar happened. That's not his name. I'm looking this up. <laughs> uh, what's the origin of that scar? The first time we see him, he has that scar over his eye. We don't know the origin. What was Scar's real name? Taka. The novel series, The Lion King, Six New Adventures. Oh, envisions that Scar's real name is Taka, which is Swahili for dirt or trash. Okay, so Scar (laughs) is a step up. You changed your name to Latrine? Um, (laughs) Wow. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Well, we check that out quickly. All right. That ended there. Um, but Scar winds up not falling from a height. Simba doesn't kill him after that. He basically just walks away, and the hyenas overheard that Scar talked down about the hyenas yeah. and was basically blaming them for Throwing everything. Throwing them under the bus. Yeah, and then they heard it, and so... They eat him. They do, yes. They eat they him. Do. Uh, we see it in, in the shadows. The <laughs> it all connects, people. It all connects. Uh, so then the rain puts out the fire. I wish, I wish it would have cut to Timon and Pumbaa looking at everyone going, oh my God, they're eating Scar. And Timon and Pumbaa look at Simba and go, that's what you look like. That's what you look like. <laughs> you Aren't do you this glad too. you're eating bugs oh. now? Yeah. Uh, but then the rain puts out the fire. Uh, we see Simba. He goes up to Pride Rock. This is a very emotional scene too. You all right? Yeah. Okay. I, I got teary eyed in this scene too, but he goes up to Pride Rock. He roars, you know, everyone bows to him. And then everything is flourishing again. Everything's green again. The water is like, it's good to be back. Yes, the water is back. They found the water. Uh, Do we talk about that on No, if you want to talk about it. (laughs) Ryan, when they say... (laughs) When they say that there's no food and water, the hyenas I said, what a terrible king he's made the water go away. How is that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yes, okay. Um... 
But uh, the circle of life continues and we see that Simba and Nala now have a cub of their own and the whole circle of life starts over again and that's how it ends. Uh, we did it. We did it. Well, we didn't do it because we still got a few more things to do. Let me bring up, I accidentally closed the questions. Hold on. Oh, while he's waiting for that, um, I do have another story about uh, Jason Weaver. Yes, go ahead. Oh, have you said we didn't on mention, pod we didn't about mention him on pod, so we should say that. So Jason Weaver is the singing voice of young Simba? Yes, mm-hmm. yes he is. Okay. Um, Jason Weaver, a uh, great actor, uh, played Michael Jackson in the Jackson 5 movie. Uh, he was in the show Smart Guy. Um, I don't so know Jason... Smart Guy. <laughs> so Jason Weaver. No, I'm uh... serious. I don't know. What is Smart Guy? Oh, Smart Guy was uh, uh, Taj Mori, uh, who is the brother of uh, Tia and Tamara Mori. Yes, sister, that's sister. right. That's right. Um, uh, okay, okay. It's coming to me now. Yeah, sister, yeah, yeah. sister. Yeah, yeah. I liked that. I liked their theme song. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Jason Weaver... Um, he uh, he got notified from Disney that they were going to send him a check for two million dollars for singing uh, the the voice of Simba for the movie, and of course this was like the biggest check he's ever seen because he's uh, he's done work in that Michael Jackson movie and this was nowhere near anything like that. So yeah, uh, you know after getting over the initial excitement of it, his mother kind of steps in and says, you know what? Uh, we're going to renegotiate this, and we're going to take a royalty deal. And Good so for her. They, they ended up bargaining for $100,000 initially as a first payment, and then a royalty deal for the rest of his life. So every time that they make another Lion King, or if they even you know promote Lion King or anything like that, Jason Weaver gets a check. And he wow. and he will and get a check for the rest of his life. That's why you don't hear about Jason Weaver anymore because he <laughs> yeah. is because he is set for he life. Is on oh Jason yeah, Jason Weaver Island out in the good, Caribbean. Good for him. I was so glad that that's how that story ended because when you first said especially the amount when you of started check, off with like a Michael Jackson story, I'm like, oh, and you're like, so his mom stepped in. I'm like, oh no. Oh no, I wasn't thinking that. When no, you I just think like like Hollywood parents. Oh, yes. Like yeah. When yeah. you said the amount of the check, I was like, oh, they were trying to just buy him off at the front, so they wouldn't have to continue to pay him if they yeah. use it. I mean, companies do that all the I time. I mean, I got to be things. honest, for a 1994 voice acting gig, like $2 million for someone who's uncredited. Oh, yeah, that's still a yeah. wild amount of money. Or he's but... credited. He's credited. The singing voice of older Simba is not credited. So yes. his mom right. didn't do No, anything. his mom didn't negotiate <laughs> for him as well. So at the end of every episode, we have uh, our questions we go over. So here we go. How is the princess? And the princess in this one is Simba. I loved Simba. I thought he was great. Yeah. Um, I did too. I mean, I, I think we've got, I, I just, I like them. They're with all these, good Well, people. and with some of these questions, good people. Good people. Uh, with some of these <laughs> questions, we've already kind of gushed on some of the characters yes. while we've been talking. But yeah, I think we're all in agreement that we really liked Simba. Uh, yeah. How was the prince? That's typically our lead romantic interest. Now, I feel like there's two emotional connections here. And number one is him and Nala. Mm-hmm. I think that's obviously the prince princess relationship, and she's she's fine. I like her. I like that she comes back and gets him. I like that she's strong. Like I like that she doesn't back down to him. I like that she kind of holds him accountable, mm-hmm. and I like that. I like that you know the laugh in the face of danger. He says that to her mm-hmm. in the elephant graveyard, and she brings it back to him. Mm-hmm. You that know when he talks back, about yeah. not wanting to go back home. 
And honestly, she was the one that kind of made him remember who he was. Like, she kind of put that spark in his brain that you are bigger and better than what you have become. So, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked her a little bit better when she was a kid. I, I, for some reason, I, I that that those two characters have a disconnect to me. Mm. I don't know because you probably don't see them a little bit like yeah. for a while, and then she's older. I don't know. Um, I also think the other real emotional connection in this movie is between him and Mufasa. Agreed. And yes, we've all gushed over Mufasa. We don't. I, you know, I mean, I'm on. in love with Mufasa. I'm in love with that relationship. I'm in I love just... with Mufasa. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I just want that on loop. Can you just pull that out? And just Guys, it's getting loop? late. We're getting a little loopy. We're getting okay. a little loopy here. Um, but uh, no, I do. I, I do love their relationship, and I think we can all identify with like what Matt said earlier. Either craving that kind of parental relationship or having it. Right? Maybe it's not with a father, but maybe it's the relationship we have with our mother or our aunt and uncle or. You know, somebody Definitely. who helped raise you, like who grandparents, yeah. whoever that may be. You better hope you have a better uncle relationship than oh, the then one you in this scar. Movie. Yeah, but I'm just saying, when you think of Mufasa, yes. I think we don't always have to think like, yes, it's a father son in this, but you know, I think we all have that person out there that helped kind of mold us, right? Definitely, or shape us along the Definitely. way. How were the sidekicks and the henchmen? I, I, on the uh, Facebook uh, sidekick henchman bracket. Uh, I kind of talked down about the hyenas, and I super enjoyed the hyenas this I time. I did, too. I, w- I will say, just to reference the bracket, I know Matt, I don't think, is on Facebook to see it, but the bracket, I will say it was hard Loser. for... <laughs> oh, I will say it is hard. It is hard for me when we were voting to vote in movies I haven't seen recently. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah, yeah. like, I kind of picked all off of movies we've seen. Like, had we seen The Lion King, I think I may have voted differently with some of those. But I really enjoyed The Hyenas a lot. I loved the relationship between the three of them, as well as their relationship with Scar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Timon and Pumbaa are fantastic. Yes. Definitely, yeah. Uh, and, and they honestly were the the comedic, the, the comic relief for a lot of the movies. Very much so. so. Yeah, and you definitely needed it, especially after we lose Mufasa. I think mm-hmm, you needed mm-hmm. them to come oh, in. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so did Simba, but I think we as a viewer needed it too. Yeah. Uh, favorite musical number. I hate you this. You can only I can pick, never pick one. one. I can never and do mine it. is the hula song <laughs> that is unavailable. On... And if you had to pick a song on the soundtrack, what would it be? Oh, I think it's uh, I Just Can't Wait to Be King. Okay. I, I feel like when the, I was growing up with this, I hated Hakuna Matata. It's not a bad song, but it, it was one of those things that everybody was singing. I remember when and it came out. And everybody was playing like, it, it, yeah. At, at my school, like, uh, growing up, like, I was the perfect age for that. Sorry, I was actually jumping on Spotify for a second to, to see, see if, you can find if I could find the hula number, uh, but I'll do that later. Um, Matt, I, what was your favorite musical number? Oh, sorry, you were not done. I, I think I said everything I wanted to say earlier, which is about the bass and the hum on that. Mm-hmm. I really like, I just can't wait to be king. Yeah. What's your favorite musical number? Uh, be prepared, definitely. Mine too. Hundred, hands down. Yeah, it's that's, a really solid that's my song. Favorite. I kind of picked that one because I thought you guys were going to pick the other one. Yeah. Um, I, nobody I love, wants the baby making song i love it just that's like my <laughs> least favorite song it's a good song it is an academy award-winning song it has uh gotten elton john probably more money than a lot of his albums he says that in his book but oh, wow um but uh yeah it's not my favorite yeah as a kid too i i honestly didn't like that song when i was a kid uh does it hold up 
guns and firearms. There's no guns and firearms. There's some pretty intense uh, lion fights that I thought were actually animated really, really well. Yes, really I really good. like the way that they do the fight at the end between Simba and Scar a lot. But I think there's some very intense moments that if you are watching it with kids, it's just things to be aware of. Mm-hmm. And I think... This isn't necessarily a movie you could just like play and walk away, depending yeah. on the age of your child, especially for Mufasa's death alone. Like oh, I think oh, that. Oh goodness, yeah. But I think there might be some other moments. Again, we don't. None of us have children, but that would be my first thought. I might be in the minority with thinking that that slow motion scene where they're fighting was terrible. Mm-hmm. You didn't think it was good. That's the only thing I don't like about the movie. That's probably I the think... only thing. I think I didn't like the slow motion of it, but I think the if on normal speed, I think it would have looked better. I liked for it's me more the of their part, animation. I like the shadow. I I really like the way the shadows cast. I, but. I I think like the idea of they looked like two lions really fighting mm-hmm. to me, but it did. You know, the, the Zack Snyder slow motion was not necessary. I mean, I I agree. There, it it definitely propelled the dramatic effect of it, and it um. You know, it, as a kid, you probably look at that and you're like, oh, like slow motion. Like, but looking back on it now, it, it just seems a little cheesy for whatever reason. Well, it, it looks yeah. what they did is they had the same amount of frames of artwork and they just did them slower as opposed to, you know, doubling. It's like when you it's like when you um, over crank a camera. So you actually have all the frames to do slow motion. It looks really cool mm-hmm. versus just slowing it down in the edit, which means you're stretching out the frames. I, I, I think I think you're right. I think that looks a little bit more like that. I think there's a way to make it look better, but I don't know. I Yeah, no, and I can see that for sure. So I am glad you brought it up. Um, for me, I think what I really liked, I more so focused on like the shadows and how they mm-hmm. projected that piece of it. I also liked the Nala um, Simba fight. Yes. Like that one, I don't think I had slow motion. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, drinking and smoking. I don't know if we, no one drank or smoked in this movie about lions. <laughs> um female character agency like nala's in there but there's not this is there's a lot of dudes there are a lot of dudes i think nala is strong for when we see her i mm-hmm. think if we saw more of her i think like she would continue to present kind of that strong independentness but mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. we don't get a lot of her i wish we got more of sarabi honestly like mm-hmm. i kind of sarabi i mean again they have to make edits somewhere but i think seeing sarabi because when she walks like the queen she is, and she walks through those hyenas. Oh, yeah. The is way Sarabi she's like, played by Beyonce in the new one, or I believe so, right? I, is Sarabi I think the mom? So yeah, I think so. Okay, but she walks like the queen she is. Like she, her head is held up high, walking through those no, no, hyenas. No. Beyonce's got to be Nala because they got to give let Beyonce sing. Can you feel the love tonight? Right? There's no way you have Beyonce in a Lion King movie. You don't let Beyonce sing. Can you feel the love tonight? Come on, guys. <laughs> what are we doing? Um, but I, for me, I think like that showed her fierceness when she was going to Scar and basically telling him like, yeah. we have to go, like we can't stay here. She did not flinch at all the hyenas. She was, yeah. yeah. So I, I, mean, I wish we saw more of that. So Robbie and Rafiki have to go have adventures. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but the, uh, so Robbie in the new Lion King was played by, uh, Alfre Woodard. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, I'm seeing that okay. here yeah. too. So we were right. So Beyonce is got Beyonce's got us in. Can you feel oh, the love shit. tonight? Come on, you get you have childish Gambino and Beyonce in a movie together, and you're not going to give them a duet. Come on. <laughs> no, um, young Nala. Well, that's young Nala. Uh, 
There she is. She's Nala. Nala. Okay. So it's just weird that she wasn't in the like the like snapshot when I just want to point through. out that the top four build movies for Beyonce on IMDb are of course Dreamgirls, Obsessed, The Lion King, and Austin <laughs> Powers in Gold Member. <laughs> if we all remember her in She's that. come a long way. Yes, she has. Um so uh ethnic representation. There's we talked a bit about the uh, about Rafiki. Uh, there's another thing I want to talk about, which is there is some controversy about the hyenas and that they were – there's a very quick uh, sentence in Wikipedia about them feeling like uh, misrepresentations of Latino and black stereotypes and gang stereotypes. Oh, interesting. Okay. I know that they – you know, the only Latino voice actor in the movie is in there, Cheech Marin. Um, Whoopi Goldberg's in there, so that's, you know, you know, uh, you know a black actress. Um, and then Jim Cummings is white, but like, I didn't get that from this. I'm also a white dude, so whatever. Do you guys have any perspectives on on that? Or I never really saw them as a gang. I don't. Yeah, know. I never really saw that. Like, I didn't. I mean, I I know they had a dynamic of being a a trio unto themselves, but yeah, I never really. Yeah, I never really got I that. I never sense. made that connection, and I don't. But again, yeah, I, yeah. So if if you feel otherwise, please, as always, feel free to uh, send us an email or call us at seven zero seven yo trpd one <laughs> right seven zero seven yo trpd one. Anyway, um, so yeah, so I think that we covered pretty much all this stuff there. Unless anybody, unless you guys got anything else you want to add to the I ethnic representation so. discussion. No? Cool. So now it is time to do the infallible scientific. Villain ranking. Yes. Matthew, are you uh Matthew, are you uh familiar with this ranking? Yes. Awesome. We will then let's get to it. All right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are doing Scar. Frightening. How do we feel how frightening Scar is? He kills Mufasa. Like I think he's very frightening. I, I'm between a four and a five. I kinda wanna hear where you guys are at. But I think he's really frightening because of how manipulative he is. Like, he's not frightening in strength, but, like, he's able to he's able to essentially convince a mob of, of hyenas, right? Convince all these hyenas to come to his side. He's able to kill Mufasa. Like, I, I don't know. He's very scary to me. I think I'm giving him a four because I think he's – yeah, I think you're right. I think he's very frightening. He's also not su- – there are scenes where he kind of, like – this is going to get him in a couple spots where he like shrinks and is like, Ugh, and I think yeah. that kind of goes for it. But I think you're right. I think a, I think a four is a pretty good. They I do a I'm lot of scary imagery with him and you kind of forget how unimposing how, physically he is yeah. in a lot of scenes. Mm-hmm. So you're going to give him a four? I think so. Matt. I also will give him a four. Um, n- more so because of how manipulative he is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how he was able to kind of use use certain people or use certain characters uh to his own advantage and he was able to gain power and to be able to control an entire mass of of characters Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and to me that's you know more frightening than anything more more so than brute strength just like he said he he wasn't really you know he he didn't have the brute strength but he did have the smarts just to remind you guys, I think frightening is more of like, does he scare little kids and stuff? I mean, I think, I think, some, so. I think, I think you're yeah. all doing right things, but I want to make sure we're 
focused oh. on the right thing because I, I think his it. ability to manipulate people will come into a play in other subjects. Yes, I, wanna, I agree. Oh, but gotcha. I also agree that he's still frightening in those scenes. No, that I think we're four. I think about. a four yeah. across the board is a good call. Mm-hmm. Funny. He's very funny. Yeah. Because he's so sarcastic. Like, if you have that sense of humor, I'm between a four and a five on this one for him. I, I think, think I'm, I'm going to give him a four. Same. But I laughed at a lot of his lines, especially in the beginning. As the movie goes on, it, he gets a little bit darker. Um, but his humor in the very beginning, I, I think he's very funny. Matt. I, I would give him a four. He is, he's, pretty, he's pretty funny. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's very clever. Um, yes I, I would definitely say that um so my fierce rating is gonna be a little weird well did you give him a four I gave him for a four funny as well. okay 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 uh because a lot my 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 go-to term for fierce is drag queen energy and i said earlier he looks like he feels like he having just watched rupaul feels like like a lot of his banter is like from the back when they're backstage like kind of the beginning of the next episode talking about what happened at the end of the mm-hmm. previous episode. Um, but at the same time, a lot of fears has to do with confidence in that thing. There are so many shots where he has, for lack of a better term, Gollum energy, where he's like, oh, don't hurt me. And that he's so He's very meek, almost. That yeah. it, it, it makes me disrespect him like in a, in a weird way. So no, to I me, I think that. he gets a, flat, a, a hard three. For fears. For fears. I think... And I think it has a lot to do with that don't hurt me, don't hurt me scenes. So You've persuaded me because I think <laughs> I was in between a three and a four. But I think you're right. I think his manipulativeness, I guess, uh, doesn't necessarily give him a strong, fierce character, right? Like, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think you've persuaded me. I think I'm going with a three on that one. I would, uh, I would give him a four. If, okay. if that's the case, uh, it just just from his his body language, how he sashays very slowly, mm, how yeah, he, he does that, um, yeah. he dra- like he dramatically jumps and pounces down onto the ground, and the the dust will lift when his feet hit the ground, and um, just just mm-hmm. from that, I would I would say yeah, I would say he's he's pretty fierce. So then the next one we have is effective. I would like to campaign that Scar deserves a five. I think he does too. Because effectiveness is always, do they accomplish their evil plan? And Scar's evil plan is to rule Pride Rock. And he does it for longer than Ursula was queen of the sea, <laughs> yes. which is our like our kind of our standard goal for and a five. And the other thing is, is he thinks he killed Simba. Like in for all years. intents and purposes, yeah, Simba is dead. Like he he has completed, and he kills Mufasa. Like just for that, I yeah. think he gets a five for that. Yeah, I'm willing to give him a five. Yes, I would have to agree with that. Yep, okay. I'm really yeah. excited to see where he's going to land. He's well, going to yeah. be high up there because. The next thing is design, and let me give you my number, and I'll give you my reasoning, because he starts at a five for me okay. for a lot of things. The way he looks, the fact that he is a – a they we, they talk about, like, they wanted him to not be physically imposing and how hard that was to do. Mm-hmm. Matt, like you said earlier, his walk, his movement is so, like, who, moi? Like, he does such a good job of that, and it's so well done. I will dock him one single point for the potential – 
copyright infringement from Kimba, <laughs> the character from Kimba. He looks a lot like Claw, so he gets a four from me. Okay, design. I can see that. I'm giving him a five because okay. I didn't That's know Kimba right. existed until today. Uh, I agree that he does look like him, but I also like when you were talking, I agree with all the things you said about why you give him a five, the claws out, which we yes, mentioned. Yes, yes, yes. I think that that was something that we were very aware of. Also, when you look at him from behind, and I don't want this to sound like now how it sounds, but all right. um, no, but when he walks away. He's got a sweet caboose. That's what you're saying. No. Don't edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> but when he, when he walks away, when you see like the width of Mufasa's shoulders, like from that perspective, and also Mufasa's backside, yeah. like he's so broad. He looks broad, a little bony. He's so skinny. Like, yeah, yeah, he almost no, looks I... like he hasn't eaten in a while. That's exactly the shot. I was thinking of. I yeah. was. I didn't put it, you know, quite in quite the like I did. Rump loving terms <laughs> as you did. Um, but no, I think I really like his design a lot. I I really enjoy him a lot. So he gets a five for me. Uh, Matt, definitely a five. Okay. Yeah. Who guys? Scar I, is 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 skyrocketing. I know. I think he's in a way be Scar, I was not I, ready for. Scar is 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 probably. My favorite villain, um, of any of the Disney characters, with uh, Jafar being a close second. Yeah, yeah. Jafar. I, I I came to appreciate Jafar a lot the last. I time did too. Yeah. The last time we watched it. Okay, so for Go Away Heat for Scar, I'm actually going to rate him a three. Wow. Okay. Because he killed like he does I don't kill know a beloved character. This this viewing. The whole family murder of it all, like, really got to you. Got to me. Like, I'm like, he kills his brother. He plots to kill his nephew. Maybe it's because I have a nephew. You know, like when you have kids and you can't like watch movies where kids get hurt yeah. anymore. I'm like, how dare you do that to your nephews? There's yeah. times when I want to wring their necks, but there, I do, <laughs> do not want to send them to their deaths. And I think some of that like got to me in this one. And he was like really like into like family murder and some of those like and like in the same way that Cruella wanting to kill the puppies and 101 Dalmatian like really got her some good go away heat with me. Yeah. That to me got me go away heat. I will say he also has good yes factor, which is the next thing. Yeah. Matt will explain that sex. So like we'll get there. But like hmm. that you, and again, you can still say, oh I didn't care. That didn't bother me. It just means that you love family murder. But that's cool, fine. Cool, 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 cool. Um, no, I think there is. That's a strong narrative that you're painting, right there. Right, right. I know. I, let me let me be honest. Do whatever's in your heart. It doesn't mean anything because this is a dumb podcast with a dumb ranking. It's fine. Um, I am between a one and a two. So Matt, I'm curious what your thoughts are. I would probably say two. And because of the murder, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at. Because of the murder. <laughs> that's where I'm at. I think he gets a two because he murders Mufasa, and it is such an emotional moment, and no matter what age I've been, I have been shook by that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I so think it I hit think me it harder. It, to... it didn't make me, like, Mufasa's death made me upset, but, like, just going, like, God, he is, like, interested in killing whoever. Like, it does not matter to yeah. him. Yeah. Anyway, and then yes factor is, of course, uh, when Tara sees something she likes, she likes to yell, yes. Yes, and I did that so, when Be Prepared happened, so, so he gets a five. He's a five me. from you. I got really excited. Even that first scene when he's playing with the mouse, okay. I got really excited to see him. What do you got? 
I'll give him a five. Oh my I'll give gosh, him a five. you guys. Because I am giving him a four. I think because he started as a three for me when I first started watching this, and I just mm. enjoyed his performance so much. Yeah. What if he gets? What if he beats? I don't think he's going to beat Ursula. Do you think he beats Ursula? Let's see. Oh, oh, Jafar beat him by point three. Wow. Wow, really? I think I will say that I think I I came down pretty easily on Jafar. We also had Tommy, and Tommy was like, "I love him. He's great." Wonderful. You know, I like, loved Jafar too. <laughs> um, I think so. He but... Jafar beats him by point. So here's our top five. Okay. Well, here's the thing. He is tied for fourth with the Evil Queen and Maleficent. So oh, he he's is in, in very good, good company, company up there yeah, for fourth. Definitely. Okay. So our our Queen Ursula retains her crown. Thank God. I was a little nervous in there. <laughs> I'm um, excited though. I, for, he deserves yes. to be where he's yes. at. He's so, a very strong. Long villain. live the king, uh, <laughs> guys. The last question we ask, and I think it's a pretty much a no brainer on this one. Uh, do we keep this movie? Do we add it to our collection? Put it in a nice VHS clamshell edition. Put it on the shelf. Or do we lock it away in the Disney vault? Goes on the top of my shelf. Absolutely. Top of my shelf. Absolutely. I yes. think I liked this movie the least out of the three of us, and I still am like it's a it's a top tier Disney classic. Yeah, it's great. It's a great movie. It's great. Um, Matt, thank you so much for going for oh my God, thank you for going on this journey. <laughs> potentially been... the longest episode we've had. <laughs> and the longest time to record because um, I feel like uh, we got we sidetracked. Are, we are so loopy. Thank you so much. Thank this you has so been much. awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yes, it's good to see you. Uh, we always ask our guests if uh, they want to plug something, whether it's a personal project, whether it's some piece of media or whatever you've been enjoying during the pandemic, or if it's a general sentiment you want to put out there in the world, uh, feel free to plug away. Um, nothing project-wise, but um, again, thank you guys, and it's always good to see you guys because... You know, I, I I miss you guys <laughs> just to just to <laughs> just off top. Um, this is a great platform you guys have, and it's really cool because uh, and and this did this started like um, right when the pandemic a year hit, ago. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're almost on the this, year anniversary. Yeah, yeah, and th- this is this has been a really great platform for not only you guys to have you know a, a nice project to have together, but um, for the fans, you know, in general. So, I mean, this is this is awesome. So, congrats. Thanks, Matt. I could just listen to this all night. Oh, of course you could. <laughs> well, Matt, I'll ask you something um, because I was I always looked forward to your year in reviews with music. Is there anything oh, yeah. that you're listening to musically that you recommend people check out? Um, I, I've been I've been more so geared towards um, a lot of hip hop, like. Um, I've been really into Childish Gambino, uh, aka Donald Glover, who is mm-hmm. on the the newest Lion King. Um, Mac Miller. Um, I still listen to uh, to my indie bands, Vampire Weekend. Um, it was it was just uh, on April twenty first. It was Incubus Day. I still love Incubus. So yeah, uh, all right. <laughs> I always think of you, and I, I like I really like science. Great, so I have that on great album. That, that, that uh, rotates through my liked songs on Spotify every once in a while. And I always think of you when it pops up. <laughs> oh, and big shout out to uh, two of the biggest Disney fans that I know of, uh, Tiffany and Kelly. Um, they actually uh, tell me how much they love Disney movies and Disney characters all the time uh, and how they go to Disneyland and Disney World all the time. So 
Shout out to them. Well, thanks again, Matt, and thanks everybody for listening. Uh, our next movie coming up is a Goofy movie, oh, uh, yeah. which we have already recorded, and I will spoil something for you, guys. I really like it. We loved it. <laughs> so anyway, check out that next week, and uh, until then, we'll we'll see you later. Thanks for listening to Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. If you want to tell us your favorite Disney villain and why it's guest on, send us an email at trprincessdiaries at gmail.com. Or you can send a tweet about how great Maleficent is, too, at TRP Diaries. Check out our Facebook group by searching for Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, and many more. Wherever you hear us, please be our knight in shining armor and give us a five-star review. Thanks again, and until next time, remember to always live happily ever after. Thank you.